Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 139 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson here with you. This week, I will be presenting you with some episodes of some shows from my new baby, WrestleNet Radio. If you haven't checked it out yet, please do. It is available in the Google Play Store on your Android device. Or if you go to the We Can't Wrestle page, the WrestleNet Radio page, etc., etc., you can get a link for Apple where you can open it in your Safari browser. I am joined this week, though, to introduce the show by one of my esteemed co-hosts and also a WrestleNet Radio host, Mr. Archie Mitchell. Hello, sir. What's up, everybody? What's up, Nate? I told Archie before I started playing the radio shows on this week's show, I had a rant that I wanted to do, and I wanted somebody to have to suffer through it, so I invited Mr. Mitchell and to come I am here. always up for a good rant. Yeah, yes, so. actually you are, yes, yes. If you listen to, if you smell what the arch is cooking, you know that's the truth. That whole but before I get into one big rant. <laughs> <laughs> before, I get, before I get into my rant... Just want everybody to be reminded that Wrestle, Wrestling, well, yeah, WrestleNet Radio, Reliving the Extreme, and We Can't Wrestle will be a part of our first wrestling <laughs> convention. We will have a table in Fort Wayne, Indiana, October 2nd, 2021, for the Heroes and Legends Wrestling Convention. I have been to multiples of these. They are very well produced, very well promoted. It's always a solid, good show. And uh, Archie. Would you like to hear some of the guests coming to join? Yes. Of course, everybody, all these guests are coming because the We Can't Wrestle podcast is going to oh, be yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I sound like Aaron now. All right, but anyway, at the uh, Heroes and Legends, Fort Wayne, Indiana, the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum, October 2nd, 2021, Rikishi will be there, who has Ooh. been in the asylum, of course, as has this man, the hardcore icon Sabu. Nice. The Headbangers. Okay. Gangre- Gangrel, Head Shrinker Samu, Ooh. Kevin Kevin Thorne, who we've talked about a little bit on the show recently. Um, the Pope, Elijah Burke, will be okay. there. Actually, one of my actually one of my favorites. Like that's a guy that I always thought should have done, done better in WWE than he did. He's doing great in the NWA, though. I know that much. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine. Oh, shit, Greg. Greg, Val- Greg Valentine's at like every convention. That's not even a big deal. <laughs> Let's be honest. And Greg Valentine travels more now than he did when he was on the road. 
Greg Valentine is like the uncle who shows up at every event the family's having, yeah. whether he was invited or not. And everybody's <laughs> like, oh, Uncle Fred's here again. Uncle, yeah, Uncle Greg's here. Yeah. JTG will be there. Okay. Uh, Glacier, who Aaron and I met last time that the, one of the shows happened. Really cool dude, Ray Lloyd. Yeah. One of my one of my low key favorites of all time. I know it's silly. I've said it on the show before. I don't care. I was a fan of Duke Drosy. Duke the Dumpster Drosy is going to be there. I had there. no problem with him. I mean, he was he was a decent talent, a good worker. I mean, if they would have let him actually run with the gimmick a little more than he had, I I actually was I actually was looking forward to. And I think <laughs> we we'll, we'll might get into it uh, on the twenty five years ago show in the near future. At one point, they were considering turning him in heel and having him go with DiBiase, and I always thought that would have been cool. It would have been. It never panned out. Kevin Sullivan's going to be there. Missy Hyatt's going to be there. Okay. Juventud Guerrera. Super crazy. Ooh. Al Snow. Al Snow, who I've met many times, actually, as a matter of fact, uh, I live in near Lima, Ohio, folks, where Al Snow is originally from. At one time in my life, I ran a GameStop store in Lima, Ohio, and that was where Al Snow shopped for his video games. So nice. I've been I've been Al Snow's uh, video game clerk before in the past. He'd walk in and be like, "Do you have SmackDown versus Raw with me <laughs> <Yeah>. in it?" <laughs> he would come in. Al would come in at like when you just opened at ten in the morning when the mall was dead, so he didn't have mm-hmm. to talk to people. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, the Queen of Extreme, Francine, nice. will be there. Nice. So that's the list so far. So what you're saying is. You put all these people together in one room, you have one hell of a tag team battle royal. Because you got the head shrinkers, the headbangers, Gangrel and, and Kevin Thorne could be a vampire tag team. Throw Greg Valentine with Kevin Sullivan. Now, what I will tell you is big ru- big rumor right now going around. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a guy that might be appearing at this show that I hear <clears throat> may have uh, recently got in online and started trying to uh, purchase some plane tickets and you may actually see a convention appearance, ladies and gentlemen, of our own ECW zone, Chad Austin. Awesome. Might be coming in for the convention to be at the We Can't Wrestle table. So that is awesome. I will keep everybody updated on that. But Chad is looking he really wants to come and, and hang out in Fort Wayne of and, and yeah. Of course. And for those of you that may think, oh, Chad Austin, he's just that guy that did jobs. And he's Chad Austin is funny. He's funny. He's cool as shit. And he is like us, guys. He is a wrestling fan. Like, he's a wrestling nerd like we are. So I would love to have Chad come in. And it sounds like that might be a big possibility. So pretty excited for this thing coming up in October. I'm sure you are. I wish I could make it. I really wish I could make it. Well, sometimes, uh, you know, I, it is what it is. You're in Jersey, man. <laughs> right. It seems if it was in Ohio, I might be more, like, easier to come. Mm-hmm. It's something about it being in, it's in, it's in Indiana, right? You got to go all the yeah. way across Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> See, we're know. like, it's easy for us. We're like 30 minutes from the from right. the, from the convention. So. Right. So. Maybe next time we'll figure it out. Or maybe next time we'll meet in the middle somewhere. Yes, and- yes. All right, so here's what I wanted to rant about, and it has nothing to do, really, with professional wrestlers. Okay. It has to do with professional wrestling fans. Ah. We'll start with one in particular, Mm -hmm. and then we will move on to the collective masses (laughs) of the the great unwashed. The IWC, as they are known. Yes. Okay, so the first fan, I guess I'd call him, actually I'd call him a traitor, 
that I want to talk about is this this fucking idiot that rushed the ring on AEW. Oh God! And he, you know, he tried, and and so then he goes by, and 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 I had to dig in. I got on his Twitter, taking a look at this fucking moron. He's like, uh, but anyway. He goes by, let me see, motherfucking Mark on YouTube. Or on Twitter, I'm sorry. Fat bastard. You're right. But here's my thing about this guy. Okay, first of all, never, ever, ever in the history of ever has it ever been cool for a fan to get in the ring. No. When two pro wrestlers are doing what pro wrestlers do. No, it's not. How about this one? It's not cool for the fans to touch a wrestler as he's coming down the aisle unless he's interacting with them. Yes. I mean, how many times have we seen wrestlers go off on fans or swing around and hit a fan because they were in the middle of a brawl and a fan just decided to go, hey, buddy, and, you know, right. you know, leave them. What, That's not what they're there for. What, I, what I'll say to this guy is, do you want people coming behind the counter at the thrift store you work at, you right. loser? Right. Um. <laughs> So, and, and 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 here's here's the other thing. Like for like I said, first of all, and 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 guys, gals, we're in, we're wrestling fans. We all have our favorites. We all have our not yes. favorites. We all have people we dislike in the ring, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to dig a little deeper into this idiot, but in no way, shape, or form would I ever, and I know Archie wouldn't, and I know any sane fan wouldn't. Nope. First of all, threaten the safety of a wrestler. Right. Um, you, you know, we can be fans. We can hate, you know, quote unquote hate. Let's be honest. All right. I don't hate Kenny Omega as a person. Right. I don't know Kenny Omega. So uh, if you listen to what, what Archie, like if Archie or I talk about a wrestler on the show, right. we never, we don't attack them personally as a person. No. You're, I, I'm not a fan of Kenny Omega as a talent. I despise watching him perform, but I, that would never make me, you know, want to. And that's why I was going to get into this guy on his Twitter. He's even like personally attacking Kenny, um, you know, saying nasty shit about yeah, Kenny and personally. It seemed like he was trying to get over with uh, with Jim Cornette. And I'm going to get into you that know, too. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, look, I don't like I don't like John Cena the wrestler. I've said this a dozen times, but John Cena the person, mm-hmm. I actually like him. I like when he's an actor. Yeah. I like yeah. when he's on, you know, Total Divas or, or Total Bellas. You know, he's very he's very normal. Mm-hmm. But as a wrestler, he rubs me the well, wrong way because he's a goody two shoes. You know, and let's, not, and let's be honest, as as a person, you know, who's 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 done more make a wishes in the history right, of ever, you know. Exactly. And, you know, he's a great exactly. guy. And and right. if if I was in the same building with and I'm gonna use Omega again just because everybody hears me rant about Kenny Omega all right. the time. If I was in the same building with Kenny Omega I'm not a fan, but you'd still meet him. I I don't even know if I would meet him, but I wouldn't walk up to him and say you're a piece of shit, you right. suck. Blah, blah. Right. I mean, what, what the fuck am I? I've never been in the ring. You're you not know? gonna walk up to him and call him fingers. What is what's yeah, uh, 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 twinkle, twinkle toes, toes finger back. back. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, and that, that's my point. Is it's not. It, this guy took it too far. Definitely. He's he's definitely he's most definitely like and not in the good way when I use no. this word, Trolly no. McTrollerton. He's no. definitely a troll. He's like a troll. He's the worst kind of troll. Right. And then yeah. really the, the, my other thing was the Jim Cornette thing. All right. First of all, this idiot 
tried to suck ass up to Jim Cornette. Yep. Saying, hey, Jim Cornette, you know, like what I did for real wrestling fans. Jim Cornette, this is the first time I've ever seen Cornette, Jericho, and Omega all on the same side right. or something. Right. But Jim Cornette was pretty much like, you know, they should have they should have killed you, you know. And Jericho said, uh, I don't know why you're sucking up to Cornette because he jammed the tennis racket up your ass. Right. And et cetera, et cetera. Because at the end of the day, the guys in the business can have their differences with each other, but, it, but it's still a brotherhood. Right. It, yes. Exactly. And it's you still, know. you know, and he, Cornette even said in his tweet, the ring is sacred to us, including Omega. This, you know, this is what I didn't get. He made a comment and said in his tweet to Jim, did they think they were going to be safe for much longer now that the fans yeah, are back in the arena? That sounds like no, a wait, threat. You've been sitting there for 18 months during all this pandemic thinking, when I get back into the arena and spend my hard-earned money, <laughs> I'm going to attack a wrestler and get thrown out. What? And, and to me, something like that, that guy should be investigated. Because to me, that sounds like a threat. Did they think they were safe? He should be banned from all wrestling promotions yeah. from here on out. And you know. he should be shat upon by all of us in the internet wrestling community. I agree. The last I agree. thing, the last thing I want to lump into this rant about this fucking Jack Tard, and this is the last time we'll talk about him on the show unless he pisses me off again, <laughs> is uh, the other. There were other fans that I took exception to, and those fans are the the fans that tried to make it sound like. It was Jim Cornette's fault that this guy did what he did. That's horseshit. You know, Cornette can say what he wants. He can do what he wants. But it's not his. That's like me saying it's it's the Hardy Boys' fault that two kids got hurt in their backyard so from watching second. the Hardy Boys. Wait a second. Essentially, they were like, they were essentially making it like <coughs> Cornette. Cornette was like Trump with the Washington right. Riot, right. you know, like he incited, Cornette incited this man to do so this. So if you and I go to a movie and as we're coming out, we say something to the effect of, man, Sandra Bullock is such a bad actress. Somebody should put her in a bag and throw her off a, a bridge and somebody goes and does that. That's our yeah, fault. That's our fault. Exactly. Yes. It's stupid. It, it was, it was, a, that, and there were some internet wrestling goofs that, we're taking that narrative. Obviously, probably, let's be honest, probably AEW guys that don't like Cornette's opinion. Right. But in no way, shape, or form, and if you listen to Jim Cornette, if there's one thing that Jim Cornette would, like I said, would agree with a Jericho or a Kenny Omega on, is that that ring is a sacred place. Right. And I don't, I, I'm almost positive that Jim Cornette... And he doesn't Cornette, any of them hurt. He doesn't, no, you know, no. Just short of Vince Russo, you know, which I think even nowadays he's over his whole thing with wanting to see. Yeah, that, yeah he, he's gotten pretty nasty know? about that in the past. Yeah, yeah but, but I mean, he isn't looking to see Kenny Omega get beaten up by a fan, which I doubt a 300 pound, five foot two, you know, right. fat fuck of a fan <laughs> is going to beat up Kenny Omega mm-hmm. or any wrestler for that matter. Or MJF or Jericho. Yeah, yeah, I mean, calling Kenny Omega for whatever you want. He's a ballerina. He does whatever. I think Kenny Omega probably would have hit him with a knee for real, yeah, and knocked his yeah. ass out, mm-hmm. or pretty instantly, you yeah. know. <laughs> and you know the the thing is, Cornette actually was going to stop. He he was going to stop reviewing AEW like six months ago, right? 
and the fans asked him to keep doing it. So he's just a businessman. If that gets his show right. listens and that gets, he's not, you know, and, and just the fact that to me, it was just the fact that there were these goofs out there on the internet that t- took this as a way to say Cornette, Cornette somehow incited this guy to do this. For, you know, for every. This guy's his own psycho, you know? For every 20 people who love Jim Cornette, there's always going to be that one idiot who says, oh, well, what he does is counterproductive. What He's been fired from this many companies. No, he wasn't fired from this many companies. Jim Cornette left those companies on his own. Yeah, he's, fact, actually ne- think, he's actually never been fired I that think I know the only of. one he got fired from was recently with the NWA. Oh, yeah, yeah, that and, NWA. And he thing. actually understood them firing him, even though he's used that turn of phrase he used four times in the last 30 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just so happens in the 2019s that phrase is looked upon as being bad. Well, and I agree with Jim. Why didn't they edit it out? Right. You know, it's not like it was live. But anyway, that's because a... we're in cancel culture <laughs> yeah, where everybody yes. wants to say something is wrong. You know, well, that, one, that day, was... one day I'm going to identify as a uh, uh, a pissed off white guy. <laughs> and and just pick on people and see how they feel. So, when they tell me I'm wrong, I'm going to tell them, no, you're wrong. I identify as. I, I identify told my, this. I, I, I told my wife, I want to. I'm just going to start identifying as a couch, and right. <laughs> that means I can just I can just sit at home all day in front of the TV. But wait, if you identify as a couch and somebody comes along and wants to sit on you, that's a bad thing. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm going to identify as a couch that. Uh, that you can't sit on. It's like a, it's a. Go. I'm a decorative piece. There I'm a decorative go. piece. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, unless you have anything else, Archie, that is my rant, and we well, will get into I'm, the. Uh... I'll be honest with you. You mentioned the wrestling fan in general, and yes, this guy is bad, and he needs to be banned. As I said, banned from every wrestling promotion there is for buying a ticket. Uh, there are other fans that have lately been getting on my nerves because. There's one fan in particular, and I'm going to use the word Daniel Bryan used about a year ago, Fickle. Mm -hmm. The Fickle fan. Yes. The WWE needs to learn how to push new stars. Okay. Here's Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley. Here's Jackson. uh, What's his name? Jackson Riker. Jackson Riker. uh, Angel Garza. Here's all these new talent. And we're only how many months removed from WrestleMania? Five? Mm Mm-hmm. And right away, they're pushing Bianca Belair down our throat. What? (laughs) Angel Garza can't get over. Well, that's your fault. You're not cheering for him. You're not buying his merch. You know? It's like we get, you know, look, I have never been a fan that demanded the WWE do something that I want. Do I not like their current product? Sure. But that doesn't mean they have to do what I like. It's what, exactly. you know, 40,000 fans who are going to be in the arena come money in the bank that need to be the ones heard that's fine if, yeah if you but, if you if if you don't like the product don't watch it right but, like why would i want to watch something that okay i'm just gonna do it just gonna do this i'm just gonna say all right say i post on twitter hey uh roman reigns should lose the universal championship this week then roman reigns loses the universal championship this week right so what fun is it for me to write the show? I'm, exactly. I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be going and watching it to enjoy and be but entertained. See, but see, these fans are Roman Reigns needs a better push as a heel. Okay, here's Roman Reigns as a heel. I don't. Yeah, he's a badass. Yeah. 
and we're already at the point. Yeah. Brock Lesnar should come back and beat Roman Reigns. Why? No. Come yes, Roman's do, Roman is do, Roman is doing the best work of his career right now. Right. You know, we <laughs> yeah. we need to get John uh, John Cena should come back. Why? So you could say that he's got a golden shovel mm-hmm. and is going to beat Ric Flair's record. I mean, you're there's right. No, you can't make everybody happy, but it seems to me that eighty percent of wrestling fans over the last five years have become designated to all feeling like their opinion matters. Yeah. When they don't seem to remember, and a lot of these people are fans our age, Nate. Oh, yeah. They don't seem to remember when we had four pay-per-views a year, Mm -hmm. when Hulk Hogan would go six months without defending the world title, when guys like the Ultimate Warrior were being shoved down our throat, which back then we didn't think that way, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, when, When we didn't know what the word greed meant, did mm-hmm. you know what the word green meant in 1991? Fuck no. You know, we, we no. thought it was a color, I, but we I, didn't know what it's what a, when a wrestler wasn't good. Not not long ago on the Slice of Time show on WrestleNet Radio, <coughs> um, Majewski and I had this conversation about how it was so much better to be a fan. Right. You know, now now we're we're all quote unquote smart as smart as we think we are. We're not as smart mm-hmm. as we think we are. We're not wrestlers. Right. But it. I think that's one of the things like the, the, the sheets and the internet. And I know we're a part of that. We're a part of that, that we culture are, yes. because we do a podcast, but that is one of the things like that magic is gone. We, we we're so right. much more critical right. now. Fans are so much more critical. Like we know what the fuck we're talking about and, and that we know better than the wrestling promoters and et cetera, et cetera. And I say this again, if you don't like it, don't watch it. I don't like, Kenny Omega, so I don't watch Kenny Omega, but I'll watch parts of the AEW show and wrestlers on the AEW show that I like. I I don't watch stuff I don't like anymore because why? I don't understand these guys that hate Raw, but then they watch Raw every week just so so they can bitch about it. They're going to cancel their their Peacock and never watch again. Now, watch this though, Nate. When you were 17... The internet was we we had the internet because we're mm-hmm. you and I are only a couple of years apart, and we would have dirt sheets. Mm-hmm. And yes, there were times when we missed a wrestling show because we were either busy with school or a function that we were at. Right, we'd turn to those dirt sheets. We'd read a spoiler. Mm-hmm. What happened on Monday Night Raw tonight? But then we'd read it and go, "Shit, I gotta watch that." Not yes. not go, "Damn, I could miss this week." You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, dirt sheets now, because of everybody writing their opinion piece, too, on it, is not just, oh, well, Roman Reigns came out and beat up Edge and then, you know, went on, you know, making it seem like it's something fantastic. Mm-hmm. They're writing it as, oh, Roman Reigns and Edge did the same thing they did last week and what they're going to do again next week. So you could miss this episode. It's like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're a writer. Can you imagine if, if a guy who was writing a book wrote his book, book like that? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Now, you know what? You've heard it all. Done. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Charles Dickens, so, your way out of here. Yeah. I hope that with the fans coming back into the arena, uh, with, you know, AEW has it now. It was great seeing them on Wednesday night with that jam-packed of a house. And I hope with Raw and SmackDown going back to full arena and Money in the Bank and all the other companies coming back, I hope that maybe lightens the fans again, mm-hmm. you know, softens them, and they can enjoy the product because, well, I've got a ticket to go see it now. You know what I mean? Right. I, I bought <laughs> tickets to Raw in three months from now. 
You know what I mean? I, I, I want to go see this, so I'm not going to bitch and moan as much as I should. Mm-hmm. You know, that's well, just that, my feelings. Yes, and I agree totally. Well, there we go. We have uh, we have bitched and moaned and complained yes. <laughs> to introduce the show. So right now, folks, we will go into a couple of selections of shows from WrestleNet Radio for this week's edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Next week, the Hall of Shame is Ooh. upon us. Yes. So I know I've got my four inductees. The other guys are working on theirs. You know Aaron is chomping at the bit. Um, I'm just inducting all four members of the Mysterio family. Ray, <laughs> uh, Dominic, uh, Aliyah, and whatever, Angie, his wife. So, <laughs> I'm yeah. in, I might induct this fat bastard guy. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that yeah, but being said. Him credibility and then he's going to be like, I'm in the, in the Hall of yeah, Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, but I guarantee it's the biggest fucking honor he'll ever have in right. his life. <laughs> All right, everybody, here you go. Thank you for joining us. Check out these selections from WrestleNet Radio. We'll uh, we'll see you next week with the uh, Hall of Shame. Welcome, everyone, to another episode, episode 10 of If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking, and I am your host, Archie Mitchell, once again here on WrestleNet Radio. And I want to send a huge shout-out to my friend, my buddy, my brother, Nate Maxson, for allowing me this outlet to spew my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. I also want to give a shout-out to Aaron Maxson, David Gold, and everybody else who is taking a part in building this community of WrestleNet Radio, a 24-hour wrestling radio station. And it has been absolutely fantastic since we began. Nate continues to say, and I, I am right behind him when he says it, that we are growing at a rate that we were not expecting. So, guys, thank you for your support. Continue to join, add your friends, tell your family, get involved, because if you're in on the ground floor, as things continue to get bigger, you will reap the benefits. Tonight's show, we will have our normal quick hits, and we will be speaking about NXT's Great American Bash and AEW's Road Rager Dynamite episode. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, both shows were absolutely fantastic. No spoilers, but both shows were A-pluses in my opinion. Um, so, go ahead, crack open your beverage, and join me as we talk about the week of AEW and NXT starting on July 6th and 7th of 2021. Cheers. So, with our quick hits, starting off, we have Lana's shoot on the WWE. And it seems like Lana has been cutting a lot of videos, talking a lot of smack and saying she's going to tell everybody about what went on backstage in the WWE. She started out by saying that during one of her pay-per-view appearances, Roman Reigns told them that she could not do her signature table spot. Mind you, she'd gone through already nine or ten tables, uh, nine or ten weeks in a row. Uh, Roman Reigns said that he had a similar spot coming up later on in the evening and asked her and Nia Jax not to do it. Lana is making it out to seem like Roman Reigns 
grabbed Nia Jackson Lana by the throat and said, you can't do this. I'm the big dog and yada, yada, yada. No, he is the bigger star. He is the main eventer. And in my opinion, I would have much rather have seen Roman Reigns and whoever he was facing that night do a table spot than see the 10th or 11th time that Lana gets put through a table for the comedy factor of it all. And it, it being Survivor Series and she wanted to have an opportunity to grow. Sweetie, if you wanted an opportunity to grow, then you should have stayed off TikTok making those da- dancing videos, shaking your ass. You should have stayed off uh, Instagram Live and every other bit of social media. You should actually hit the gym and learned how to wrestle. And you should have tried to actually become an ambassador for WWE instead of being a blonde bimbo who, in my opinion, always botched no matter what. Now, I know I say Nia Jax botches, but she's big. And when she's not botching, she actually makes it look believable when she's killing somebody in that damn ring. So you never can tell if she's killing them or not. Lana, on the other hand, had quite a few opportunities where she almost hurt somebody indefinitely and made them look bad in the ring. So save your whole tea spilling and your rumor mills and all your BS, Lana. Save it for another day. Go join your husband, Miro, in AEW. Be his mouthpiece because Lord knows he can't cut a damn promo and shut the hell up when it comes to your former employer who kept you employed for almost a year after letting your brutish husband go. Number two, WWE investors receive final approval for a $39 million lawsuit to continue. Now, this is having to do with investors finding out that the WWE did not give away all of their information about their Saudi Arabia deal going belly up and thus the stock beginning to plummet. And investors were very upset because before that news was finally leaked, uh, Vince McMahon, Stephanie, Shane, Triple H were selling off pieces of stock uh, for a large amount of money. And then they allowed the stock to plummet and go down past what normal investors deemed to be profitable. So I can see why everyday investors and even big time investors would be pissed off about this. You got rich off of our money and then you just let it all go to shit. Well, It seems to me that if they allowed this lawsuit to continue and got their final approval, Vince McMahon is going to be coughing up quite a bit of money. Now, $39 million to a billionaire may not seem like a shit ton of money, but when you uh, keep talking about budget cuts and having to uh, lay off most of your roster, um, then maybe $39 million does seem like a lot of money. So, Vince... Uh, maybe stop being such a dirty, underhanded uh, businessman and be truthful with your investors. Because if you want to be a publicly traded company and you continue to do insider trader bullshit like you just did, um, you may end up in jail. Uh, so, yeah, just a bit of advice. I know Vince doesn't listen, but you never know. And our final quick hit, we had three this week. Our third one, Jimmy Uso gets arrested for his fourth D-U-I. Now, I'm not asking for this man's resignation, and I'm not saying that he should be fired. What I am saying is, is that the WWE needs to stop um, giving the Usos title shots 
now because of all of this BS. Um, Jimmy Uso and Jay Uso were a great tag team. They have held the world tag team titles, I believe, seven times. They've had some of the best matches with the New Day and a bunch of other tag teams. But if Jimmy wants to keep getting in trouble, then they need to go the same way that they did with the Hardy Boys, in which that Jeff was not getting such a big push anymore. The first time he started receiving all of these wellness problems and DUIs, and um, Jeff eventually went away on his own regard and allowed his uh, contract to finally uh, lapse. Um, I wish Jimmy the best. I hope that he can fix this. this is, again, this is like his fourth DUI, and I really hope that he has not cost his job. But I don't think that WWE needs to then wait for him to come back and immediately hand him and Jay another title shot or put them in a big role with Roman Reigns. Now, that's not saying Jay needs to be punished. No, no, no. You don't need to punish Jay. You don't need to punish Naomi because that's his brother and his wife. No. That is saying, though, that Jimmy and Jay together should not be seeing any more success. Remove Jimmy from the situation. Allow Roman Reigns to take him out. Bring Jay back. And all is well. That's just my opinion. So, we are now moving on to the Great American Bash NXT edition. This is the second one that they have held under this banner. And I personally love when the WWE gives NXT the opportunity to use a former WCW pay-per-view name. Why? Well, here, let me tell you from a a non-wrestling fan uh, experience. When the show started last night, my wife, who is not a wrestling fan, heard them say, welcome to NXT's Great American Bash. And her ears went up and she looked at me and she said, Great American Bash, why does that sound so familiar? Well, I explained to her that it was a former WCW pay-per-view and when the WWE bought WCW, they were allowed to take over pay-per-view names. She's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I, I, I... And I then explained about Halloween Havoc being back as well. And she was like really into it. So hearing these older pay-per-view names in a modern day may help some casual fans, some non-fans or some older fans who haven't watched in a while get back into today's professional wrestling. So we're going to keep it the same way we had it last week, the highs and the lows of the show. Only I'm going to start out with the lows this week. And there was only one low on NXT. And that was hip, Hit Row's Rap Cypher World, the, the North American Title Championship celebration for uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott with his group Hit Row, where they basically sat in the middle of the ring and on the entrance and rapped. What, what the fuck was this? Why did we need 10 minutes of these four people rapping in order to celebrate a world title match? They could have had bottles of champagne in the ring. They could have had a celebration. They could have had a party. They could have done a nightclub atmosphere. They could have done a million other things. But they decided to highlight that they are all somehow or another great rappers, which they sounded like shit, except for the young lady, whose name I still don't know. Um, it, It was just bad. It was just bad. But that was towards the ending of the show. So if you choose not to watch it, you can fast forward through it and get to the main event. I just I didn't like it. It was the only low on the on the whole show. Uh, we start off with our first match, and it's MSK defending the NXT World Tag Team Titles against Timothy Thatcher and uh, Tommaso Ciampa, and it was a high flying versus brute force twenty one minutes of excellence type of match. 
All four of these guys shined. They had a tremendous amount of back-and-forth action. Thatcher is a lunatic, and Tommaso Ciampa is as well, but he's more crazy than a lunatic. Um, Of course, the difference being that Thatcher will do whatever it takes to kill you. Ciampa's going to think about it and find out the best possible way to do it. Uh, MSK gets the win in 21 minutes after a little bit of miscommunication. Both teams like they got a lot off their chest. And MSK proving that they are a force to be reckoned with in NXT. We then get a great hype video for Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, which will come up later on this evening in our main event. And I am psyched for it because both of these men, whether they're in New Japan, Ring of Honor, or NXT, put on the very best possible matches against each other. Uh, William Regal announces in ring uh, with Johnny Gargano, Karrion Cross, and Samoa Joe that next week Johnny Gargano and Karrion Cross will fight for the NXT World Heavyweight title with Samoa Joe as the special referee and enforcer. And this was gold. Johnny Gargano poking fun at Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross then joking back with Johnny that he's wearing a pair of Candice LeRae's pants. Those were some skinny jeans there, Johnny. Um, it, this was great. Uh, I think this is another way of going with this feud rather than it just being, oh, well, Karrion Cross is this big, scary guy. No, Johnny is antagonizing him and forcing him to go psycho. We then get a hype video for um, L.A. Knight and Cameron Grimes, and then we go to the match, and this was a great battle. It was a mad battle back and forth. The storyline continues. It was a 17-minute great matchup, in my opinion. Uh, L.A. Knight is doing all he can to be one of the best heels in NXT. And when I say heels, he is a legit heel. He's not trying to get over with the fans as far as being a face. He doesn't want that tweener reaction like an Adam Cole or a Karrion Cross gets. No, he is a legit heel. And Cameron Grimes has become an underdog who is amazing in the ring and great on the mic, too. Like I said, 17 minutes of great match. Uh, and L.A. Knight gets the win, so that means that Cameron Grimes is now going to be his butler, or as I like to think of it, his Virgil. The roll call for the breakout tournament was uh, great. Uh, the competitors all look like they are, you know, stars in the making. I'm sure that they're all new recruits to the NXT Performance Center. And Carmelo Hayes has my vote because after seeing him against Kushida and Adam Cole, he looks like the real deal. We then go to Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell taking on Ayoshira and uh, Zoe Starks with the NXT women's title on the line. This was a decent back-and-forth match. Both teams shined for 14 minutes straight. Um, I did not like the sudden title change. Um, it seems to me that they're doing all they can to keep a title on uh, Io Shirai. Uh, but I guess I guess it gives Zoe Stark the rub. But I liked LeRae and Hartwell as the champions because that does open up the door to get the face teams, which there does seem to be more of them, to get a title shot, where with having Io Shirai and Starks as the champions, well, you really only get them against either Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae again, or against uh, Raquel and Dakota Kai. But still a decent match. And during the match, Tegan Knox makes her return. 
Her battery goes to full 100%. She has been gone for a year, and Tegan Knox has finally returned to NXT and is apparently looking to feud with Candice LeRae. Uh, it seems like to me that everyone is looking to get a Candice LeRae as soon as they come back. Uh, Io Shirai did it, Zoe Starks, and now we have Tegan Knox. Tony Storm's interest was interview was interesting, but after that, the Dexter Loomis and Indy Hartwell interaction at ringside where uh, Dexter lifts her up in his arms and walks her away was great. Beth Phoenix on the mic uh, saying all of those love lines from different movies was fantastic. I laughed. I popped. It was absolutely great. And then we get to our main event. A 25-minute absolute classic between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. Both men had starring moments in this match. But Cole proved why he is the best NXT has to offer, in my opinion. Now, that does not say that Kyle O'Reilly didn't prove anything here. Kyle O'Reilly proved that he was and is meant to be in the main event. Whether or not he is meant to be the star of that main event and win it is beyond me. He needs to push forward and see what he needs to do to get to that next step on the ladder. Uh, This happened in Ring of Honor when Kyle finally became the uh, World Heavyweight Champion there. Um, And then they immediately shot, put the title onto somebody else a couple months later. Um, And it's just people see Kyle for as a great athlete, decent on the mic, but not someone that they can really trust with their title. So I'm hoping that changes and that Kyle O'Reilly can get to that next level. But Adam Cole seems to me that after Johnny Gargano gets done with carrying cross, Adam Cole will be the next in line for a singles title shot at the NXT title. And I think that Cole versus Cross or Cole versus Gargano again would be fantastic. But in my opinion, NXT, the Great American Bash, was an A+. I give it five out of five, even with the one low of Hit Rose, Rap Cypher, or whatever the hell that was. Uh, This was a can't-miss show. Every match was good. Some were great. And it was exactly what you want from a TV special slash pay-per-view, but on free TV. They did everything they had to, and then some. Stellar, stellar night of action from NXT. Shifting to tonight, Wednesday night, as I am taping this, for AEW's Dynamite Road Rager. And why is it called Road Rager? Well, because AEW is back on the road, ladies and gentlemen. They are in Miami. And they've got a packed, sold-out arena. And I'm once again going to do the lows here first because there was only one. And the lows were Dan Lambert shitting on AEW and wrestling in general. This guy should not be in wrestling. He was horrible in Impact when he was there with America's Top Team. He is horrible in MLW with King Mo. And if they're looking to put him in uh, AEW now, please, Lord, let it be short and sweet. That's all I got to say. Now on to the highs. Our opening match was Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall in a strap match. And it was a decent opening match. Uh, And I hope that this is finally uh, the end of this feud. I don't understand why QT got the jobber entrance before the show even started. And Cody got the big elaborate entrance. But Cody looked flawless for 13 minutes straight. There was some outside interference. But the American Nightmare was able to pull it out and get the win 
over QT Marshall, his former best friend. Like I said, it's not that I want Cody Rhodes to feud with somebody else or I don't want to see QT Marshall on my screen. I just think that this feud feels like it's been going on for six months now. And I'll reiterate this. I know I said that Cody has been in a lot of microwave feuds. This was really not Cody's feud, though. This was a feud between Dustin and QT Marshall that Cody should have never been involved in. Cody had other things going on while this feud started and then ended up getting put into it. So I hope that this means something new for Cody. We then get to see uh, Sammy Guevara attacking Sean Spears to get payback for last week. In my opinion, I've said it before and I've said it for the last couple of weeks. I will echo it again. Sammy Guevara is a star and he is a star in the making. And I think that with Sean Spears' help, Sammy Guevara will go to the top. Uh, His match with MJF last week was incredible. And I just think that him now getting back payback on Sean Spears leaves MJF to to feud with um, Chris Jericho and then leaves him to feud with Spears. And it's an equal balance. We then hear from Kenny Omega and Don Callis. I wish they would not put Don Callis on my screen. I do not dislike Don Callis as a wrestler or wrestling personality. I do, I do, however, dislike Don Callis as a person. So this is not heat because of what he's doing in wrestling. This is heat because of who he is as a person and outside of the ring. We'll get into that another day. But whatever the case is, Kenny is interrupted by uh, Evil Uno and the Dark Order yet again. Kenny then low blows Evil Uno. The Good Brothers come out and help Kenny take out the Dark Order. And then here comes Hangman Page. Yes. Finally, we are getting the beginning of the Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, world title storyline. And in my opinion, this is the best way... They could have done it. A nice, slow burn. You had them team together. You had them win the tag team titles. There were trust issues. They broke up. They had a match. Kenny won. <clears throat> and Hangman Page kind of, you know, did his thing. He was with Dark Order. He wasn't, and he's back with them. But now that he's rose up the ranks, he can start believing himself again. And I truly believe that Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page will be a fantastic feud. We then see JR's interview with Darby Allen and Ethan Page. And these two men actually spoke from the heart. Darby Allen talked about being in his car, broke, homeless. Ethan Page spoke about taking Darby under his wing, taking him to wrestling shows and helping him get booked. And then Darby said that Ethan is jealous because Darby got to... AEW first and is a bigger star now. And Ethan didn't stop him. He said, you're absolutely right. I like where this feud is finally going. I like that they actually got to speak heart to heart to each other. I like the idea of a coffin match. And I think this is finally AEW's turn to long-term booking. You've got Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears uh, feud. You got Kenny and Hangman starting off after they've had this one-year slow burn. And you got Darby and Ethan Page going back to their early days to get to where they are in this feud now. I'm all for it. I think this was fantastic. The Pinnacle then took on the Inner Circle. And while I wish it was a longer match, because it was only eight minutes long, both teams did a lot in a short period of time. 
You had uh, Tully Blanchard get involved, which is always great. It gives it that horseman feel. And the pinnacle picks up the win. Uh, then takes out Conan. Tully Blanchard gives a chop block, block to Conan, takes him out. So this feud continues, and I'm all for it. Like I said, long-term booking, good. Let these teams continue to fight until they have no reason to fight anymore. We then get an announcement that John Moxley will be defending the IWGP United States Championship next week against Carl Anderson. Yes, please, inject this into my veins. Not only are we getting the return of John Moxley, who's been gone for a few weeks, a month, which plays into his whole storyline with the Young Bucks. Carl Anderson is getting a singles title shot and going to get to grow as a singles competitor because, let's face it, he and Luke Gallows aren't doing anything really big as a tag team right now. Fantastic. Keep it up. I can't wait for this match next week. Chris Jericho and MJF's contract signing started off with a little bit of controversy as a fan tried to rush the ring while Jericho was making his entrance. (laughs) Jericho almost beat the crap out of him, but then he told MJF that he should have let quote-unquote, the fat bastard, get in the ring and beat up MJF. These two men know how to speak. These two men know how to do it in the ring. And we are now joined by my buddy and my friend who I spoke about earlier, ladies and gentlemen, the proprietor of WrestleNet Radio, Mr. Nate Maxson. How are you, Nate? Hello, Mr. Mitchell. How are you? Good. You're the first actual surprise guest we've ever had on the show. And you know what? I should have been on sooner. It's the best show on WrestleNet Radio. No, it is not. Don't even start that. Don't <laughs> even start that. I'm so, glad to be here. Uh, we were just talking about MJF and John and uh, Chris Jericho earlier tonight mm-hmm. with their interview and their contract signing. Both guys are fantastic in the ring and when it comes to having a mic in their hands. So this feud can only go up from here, in my opinion. I agree. I didn't actually get to watch AEW live. But I did read the results. I'll probably wind up watching it tomorrow. But um, those two guys have a chemistry. Yes. You know, and and everybody knows my thoughts on AEW. I'm kind of half and half on AEW. Right. When when one of those two guys is on, I'm 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 invested. You know. Definitely. Yeah, the two of them together, fantastic stuff. Uh, What I'm liking is MJF is almost channeling his inner younger Chris Jericho and giving it back to Chris the way Chris did against Shawn Michaels going into WrestleMania. There's a lot of good old-fashioned feel to it, so it's finally adding to the feud than it just being, oh, MJF turned on Chris Jericho, no big deal. You know, I think think that's a great comparison. Yeah, I mean, I never even thought of it in that respect, but you're absolutely right. The the Jericho-MJF stuff is very reminiscent of of the chemistry that Sean and, and Chris had together. Which which I'm liking. Uh, Britt Baker then did an interview and took a shot at the WWE in her interview, Nate. She mm-hmm. was uh, talking about how last week um, Nyla Rose and, and uh, Vicky Guerrero tried to hurt her on purpose and that she makes a lot of money for Tony Khan and that Tony should now enjoy his blood money and what's he going to do next, tape a show in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> And I popped for it. I I thought that was great. (laughs) She's really good. She's a really good heel. And, um, you know, now that 
<laughs> now that she's around, I will definitely say Isaac Yankum is not the greatest wrestling dentist of all time either. I agree. I agree. But yeah, no, she, I mean, she's fantastic. She comes off as, as, what it was, she has bitch down. Oh, so, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen someone capture that since best since Tammy, since Sunny. Yeah, I agree. Know? I agree. Uh Andrade then made his debut in AEW against Matt Seidel. And again, I wish this match was longer. I said this about the pinnacle and the inner circle match. It was eight minutes. This was eight minutes too. And the reason I wish it was longer is because this wasn't just a squash match. Andrade just didn't go in there and kick Matt Seidel's butt, they mm-hmm. actually shared the ring. Seidel got in a lot of good shots and great, you know, offense and some defense. But Andrade looked like a million bucks. Better than WWE ever allowed him to look. Um, He is, I will say this, and I know, I don't think you've gotten to that point in the show yet, but the two guys that I think WWE completely missed the boat on and if they do it right, AEW can cash in on the most are Andrade and and Tommy End, yes. Alistair Black. I agree. I agree. And, you know, the funny part for me when I think about that is you have Thea Trinidad, a.k.a. Zelina Vega's real-life husband and Tommy End, and her former business associate, Andrade. They're both fired, and we're going to get to Tommy End's debut in just a second. But they're both fired. They're both in AEW. Meanwhile, she just made her return on Friday night on SmackDown. So, you know what I mean? I kind of wish she would have ended up in AEW and maybe managing both of them. Do you think that? um, Do you think that any of the? um, Because you're most definitely more. You most definitely have the pulse on the modern product more than I do. Do you think that? that the fact that her husband did WWE know. And uh, because, because of the way it, she got jobbed out on Friday. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, do but, you think there's anything to do with it? The, well, the argument, the argument is, is they, they, they may have jobbed her out, but it's to live Morgan. Who's actually getting this great storyline as a, you know, baby face coming from behind. And they did put her in money in the bank. So mm-hmm. it's really not jobbing out as much as it's losing to put somebody else over. You know, Zelina Vega hasn't really been in the ring that much. What has she had? Seven matches in the WWE total. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but I, I would know. I mean, the funny thing is, is I thought that Tommy and Alistair Black had a non, non-complete clause. And then he shows up tonight. That's the next thing we're going to talk about, guys. Alistair Black debuted tonight. And takes out Arn Anderson and Cody Rhodes. And in my the, the live audience did this justice because they popped Nate. They mm-hmm. twenty thousand people yelling Tommy, 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 and jumping to their seats when he the lights came back on and there he was. You know, if that would have just been in front of the AEW wrestlers in Dally's place, it wouldn't have been a great it wouldn't have been a great debut. Right. You know? Yeah. Perfect night for them to do it. And I will say this about him is I have been a fan of his since his indie days because he actually wrestled a lot here in Ohio. Right. And um, that guy is a big loss for WWE. They totally missed the boat on him. Yeah, they totally missed the boat on him. I don't get it. 
I don't understand. I don't think he would have became a world champion in the next year or two. But I think a decent run with the Intercontinental title and then leading him into a feud with one of your bigger champions, a Roman Reigns or a Drew McIntyre or anybody for that matter, would have been great. Whether he Mm -hmm. won or lost, at least let the guy explode and be what he's supposed to be, which I think that's what AEW is going to do because they thrusted him into a feud with the number one guy in the company. Look, I know Kenny Omega is the champion, and I know, you know, Miro's the TNT champion, but Cody Rhodes is the face of that company. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you come in there and smack the face, you're going to be a top guy. Yeah, he's he's the... I guess you'd say, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not comparing the characters at all, but he is the Roman Reigns of AEW. Right. You know, he's, he's the man. You know, whether he's the champion or not, he's the guy. Exactly. The question is, though, with him starting a feud with Cody, will Cody go over or will they allow <laughs> Malachi Black or Tommy End or whatever his name is going to be? Will they allow him to go over and Cody finally lose his first feud since losing to Jericho? Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they're, hopefully they're smart enough to do that. Cody loses nothing by right. losing to Black. No, nothing at all. You know, so and I haven't been a big fan of. I kind of, I kind of did a little rant on the We Can't Wrestle page a while mm-hmm. back about Cody because he's lost his luster with me just because I almost, I. I I know we, you try to keep it clean on your show, but I'll just oh, no, I curse as much as possible. You can curse <laughs> right in. I just the past probably six months of Cody's career, when AEW first started, I was a big fan. Okay, right. and then the past like six months of his career, and I don't know, it just it's almost like he's 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 like his dad a lot of the time. He's jerking himself off on TV in front of us. And 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 his ego, I think, is getting getting the best of him. And I hope that maybe this could be something where he's working with a talent like this, where he says, "Okay, I'm going to put this guy over and do something that's best right. for the company and not best for me." Right. Right. We can hope. <laughs> the only thing I will disagree with you on, though. Yes, Dusty put himself in starring roles all the time, but he also lost a lot too. Right. On the flip side, what Cody is doing is very Undusky-esque in a way. You know, for you to be the top guy but not be holding the belt, mm-hmm. Dusty knew if Flair was the champion and Dusty was the sideman and he lost to Flair clean, it was okay. Again, like mm-hmm. you said, he's not losing anything because he's just going to feud with Flair for another three more months. Yeah, Cody was, seems to think I that he's got to beat the guy and vanquish him and never see that guy again in the company. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and I was in no way shitting on Dusty. He's no, I know that. I know that. But I just, yeah, I just notice. I, I, I just, I think that Cody's, Cody's ego to me rubs me the wrong way right now. Mm-hmm. And because I, what I was thinking at first when he first started, like super putting himself over and pictures of him and Brandy and the baby and blah 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 blah. I thought, okay, maybe he's going toward a heel turn here. Right. You know, and I don't think that's the case. And they teased it, mm-hmm. but which I I thought it was going to be Cody running, being the head of the pinnacle. You know, I, MJF is doing a great job of it. But if you wanted a four horsemen group, Cody was being flared to the T. The mink yes. coat, 
the sunglasses, the using the figure four. So, in my opinion, that should have been Cody's heel turn. Bring FTR in, give him a heavy as a uh, you know as an enforcer, and you got Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard pulling the strings. Great, right? You know, but it is what it is. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. Your next, the next matchup is your favorite wrestler. Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander, the alien, taking on the Butcher and the Bunny in a mixed tag match. Somehow, I actually like AEW for this because I know that I don't have to watch it at all. Right. <laughs> There's nothing in here that I'm going to be interested in. You go right ahead, Mr. Mitchell. Well, uh, this was okay. I mean, it, it, it's not a high or a low. I'm going to be honest here. But the women actually made it good because Chris Stan- Statlander is a powerhouse. And mm-hmm. Allie, for what she is can actually wrestle. So for all the funniness of Orange Cassidy and whatever the butcher was doing by trying to use brass knuckles through the whole match, Statlander and Bunny made this passable. That's why it's a high as opposed to being on the low side of things. Uh, Now I talked about the only low that was on the show, Nate, was Dan Lambert getting in the ring. He's a part of America's top team. He's the runner of America's top team. And he Mm -hmm. shit on AEW and the wrestling business in general saying that the wrestling business hasn't been the gr- been great since the late 90s. He's right, but you're at you an AEW show. Yeah. You, know? you don't you don't uh you don't tell your audience. Right. <laughs> that, yeah. So. You don't you don't you don't you don't make Terminator 3 and then have one of the stars of Terminator 3 goes go out and go, "Well, I mean, T1 and T2 were better, <laughs> but right. you should watch this movie anyway." Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, here's my problem with it too. Dan Lambert sucked in Impact. He's been bad in MLW with King Mo. I said this earlier in the show. So he shouldn't be in a wrestling ring cutting a promo. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you want to make him like the manager of one of the MMA guys coming in, that's fine. But this is why this is a high in this point. Lance Lance Archer comes out and totally kills Dan Lambert in the middle of the ring, which is what Lance Archer should be doing. Yes. He should be the cane of that company. Just come out and mow over whoever he feels like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? So, and you had Jake Roberts on the on the stage screaming, "Kill him! Get him!" <laughs> and Lance Archer gave him a right hand, and then that big finishing move, and the crowd popped, and it was good. That was good. But having Dan Lambert say that the business today sucks, and AEW in general sucks, bad. Mm-hmm. Should not be happening. And then we get to our main event of AEW. The Young Bucks versus Eddie Kingston, one of my personal favorites, and Pentagon in a false count anywhere, no disqualification tag team match for the world tag team titles. And they were actually given time. They got 25 minutes to end the show. It was a great match, and it didn't feel like the traditional no disqualification match name as in, they just didn't start using weapons right away. Right. The weapons didn't come in until the last five minutes. There were thumbtacks, there were chairs, there were, you know, there was outside interference, but they saved it for that last five minutes, as opposed to it just being, as Jim Cornette would say, a, a hardcore mud show match. Right. You know, and, and being crappy. Um, so. I will say this, and again, not, not having watched the match yet, I am... Okay, I don't watch Omega. I don't watch Cassidy. I have a hardcore rule with those two. Right. If they're in it, I don't watch it. The Bucks, it always, for me, because I'm not a big fan, 
But right. it always for me depends on who they're in the ring with. I'm definitely going to watch this match because, like you, I am very, very high on Eddie Kingston. Yes. Um, Eddie Kingston is, to me, has the I've com- I don't know if I've said it on any of our shows or, or any, but I, I almost compare him to Bully Ray. Um, to a certain extent, yes. I, I, I mean, on the mic, on the mic, yes. he's, he's got the he's got that charisma, and I love Penta. So I'm definitely going to watch this match tomorrow when I get to watch AEW. But um, yeah, I mean, from what I read on the results, but that I read on the torch, it sounded like it was really good. It was. It was the Bucks. This new heel Bucks is a little weird in that it looks like they took six wrestlers and jammed them all together to get their ring gear and their attitude coming out to the <laughs> ring. Like if you took Rick Rude, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, the Rockers, and then maybe threw in a little bit of the Rock, you'd have what mm-hmm. the Young Bucks are doing lately. <laughs> and it's like they want you to feel that way because mm-hmm. the, the dangly earrings, the the you know the hair, the the outfits. Oh, we're yeah. wearing five thousand dollars sneakers to wrestle. Like, okay, cool, wrestle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and and that's what I was gonna say is they actually I would I have never I have never been I've never been a big fan of the Bucks. Right. But this is probably the most interested I've been in them because right. it's almost like they're self-aware at this point. They know what people like me think about them. And they're doing it to get, to get you to pop or boo. Under my skin, yes. Right. Absolutely. Right. Well, the most interesting thing they did this week, WWE released a, um, a list of um, the top 50 tag teams. And on their Twitter, they wrote, we're actually the best tag team. We're better than the New Day. We're better than Demolition. We're better than LOD. But you won't know that by the competition. And I found that funny because they can get away with doing that because they don't work for WWE. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> if, if you're not under that banner, you can say I'm better than that those tag teams. But if they were working for them, then they'd get the Ascension treatment and get shit on. And as a matter of fact, just a little spoiler alert, at some point in the future, I haven't decided when yet, we actually, I I want to use an episode of the We Can't Wrestle podcast mm-hmm. for us to take that list and break it down because I had... I had so many problems with that list it's that I have, I have to tear it apart. <laughs> funny you should say that. Before we get into why it's funny, guys, AEW and NXT this week were can't miss. Only one low on each show. The action was as best as it possibly could be. And the interviews and promos were setting up future storylines, which means we're looking at long-term booking, which we like in wrestling. We don't want microwave feuds. So if you did not get a chance to watch AEW or NXT, go back, DVR it, find it on demand on Peacock, wherever you got to find it, and watch NXT, Great American Mesh, and AEW Road Rager because they were definitely can't miss. Now, not, to, not to screw up the flow of your show. No, 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 not at all. But I, I wanted to, when I knew I was coming on, I knew there were, there were two things I wanted to bring up. Um just to dis- to guess- discuss with you and, and get your feedback mm-hmm. um, from this week, because I did get to watch NXT. Right. And I have to tell you, I- I've said it about one guy for a long time. The other guy, I'm going to say it, I guess not for the first, any- anyway. Um, there's four guys I want to bring up. 
from this week's NXT Great American Bash. Okay. Everybody knows that my favorite wrestler that's currently wrestling in the world right now is Adam Cole. Right. Him and Kyle O'Reilly tore it the fuck down. Oh, this that week. was... That and, could have been a WrestleMania a main event. That's yes, how it was. Yes. And, and what I'm hoping is now that they're one and one... I don't want it to be over. I want. I want. I want. I want a rubber match. I want a sixty-minute Iron Man match. That's what I want. And 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 because again, like we discussed earlier about Cody not being hurt by losing to Black. Right. You let Kyle go over. Right. You just made a star. You know, let Kyle go over. Kyle needs something to get him over to that next level. That's what I said Mm -hmm. earlier. Because Adam's not going to lose anything. No. At all. And. um, then the other guys I wanted to bring up real quick. There is, and I know Aaron. Aaron differs with me on one of these guys, and I don't understand it. But anyway, the other two guys that are our future main eventers in this company, whether it be NXT main roster, what have you, I'm hoping once the main roster goes back live, that TV gets better. But anyway, because then Vince will actually have to listen to a crowd response to his, right. you know. This this sword was forged from the Loch Ness monster bullshit. But anyway, <laughs> God bless Drew. Drew's one of my favorite wrestlers, but some of the yeah, shit he used to say. Anyway, um, they're giving him the suffer and suck succotash treatment like they did Roman a couple yeah, years ago. Yes. Um, Cameron Grimes and L.A. Knight are are. Aaron doesn't like Cameron Grimes, and I don't get it. That guy's fantastic. Oh yeah, he's no, so he's good. great. He is he's absolutely so fantastic. He is like. He's like he's like um, he's like Dutch Mantel with 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 twenty times the wrestling ability. Right, and and a little better on the mic because Dutch, you know, just wanted to be a maniac. Where with Cameron, he actually can talk and make mm-hmm. you laugh. You know what I mean? When yeah. I when I watched when I watched those two work last night, it was last yep. night. Right? Yeah. Yep. When I watched yep. those, well, I guess as of this when we air this on Thursday, Tuesday, Tuesday right. Um, when I watched those guys work on Tuesday night, I thought this is like mid South wrestling modern day. Yes. You know, it, yes. it was so good. So anyway, I just I just want to touch base on those two matches in, in the next in my opinion, LA Knight is one Austin three sixteen promo away from being a main eventer. Absolutely. And Cameron Grimes, whether you put him in the cruiserweight division, an intercontinental fight a U.S. or in a tag team with somebody, that guy's going to be gold for years on end. Absolutely. I so totally agree. They, you, they, have, they have so many stars right now in NXT that I hope stay in NXT for at least another couple of years mm-hmm. so that Vince doesn't ruin them. But yeah. also I want them in front of a 30,000, 40,000 crowd arena so that when we hear Adam Cole, baby, it's because – these people popped, not because they're just going along with what he says. David 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 Gold doesn't like it when I use this expression, mm-hmm. but I cannot wait to see what happens when Vince dies. He doesn't like it. David doesn't like it when I say when Vince dies. Right. I th- you know, it's morbid. But right. what I try to explain to him all the time is I'm not saying I want Vince to die. Right. What I'm saying is Vince isn't going to stop being in control until he's dead. Vince McMahon's not a guy that's going to retire and go home and sit around with Linda on the no, porch. No. So to say when Vince dies is literally the true when Vince retires because 
he's not going to retire until he croaks. Let's Did be you, honest. You, you watch <laughs> Family Guy, right? Yep. Remember when Car- Carter Pewdersman had to retire and Peter took over the company yeah. and he tried to be a normal guy at home? That's mm-hmm. what I imagine Vince McMahon being like if he had to go home with Linda and the grandbabies and Shane comes over for dinner and then Vince is like, what the fuck's going on with my company? You know? Yeah, it, yes, absolutely. You know, <laughs> so in, in, in however many years when Vince passes on, it will be interesting to see what, he, what happens. Or will he be He's such a hell-bent on making sure that no one runs the WWE but him. Will he sell the company from his deathbed? You know what I mean? Well, (laughs) I'm convinced. Will he find a buyer and then before he croaks, sign the papers? (laughs) I'm convinced he's going to sell it within the next year or so. And then there will be paperwork determining that him and his family get to run it. But you make a good point, too. Like, I really think even if right. he was on his deathbed, he'd be like, well, here's $5 billion, and I'm going to sell off to NBC or whatever. Because, I mean, it's always been his goal. Right. It's always been his goal. It's it's always been Vince's goal Disney. from the beginning. Well, and, and Vince McMahon never has never saw himself as a wrestling guy. He has saw himself right. as an entertaining guy, and he has he has spent what look at look Fourth at the history of the WWE folks. He has spent his entire career looking for the acceptance of the entertainment industry. You know, right? And 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 I I I, I don't know. I mean, we, that's a whole other show. I, I'm getting us off the off the off the yeah. path. Yeah. The, 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 the headline would read: Vince McMahon dies, and Disney buys WWE. <laughs> Vince died, that <laughs> with a picture of Mickey Mouse holding the world heavyweight title. Yes. So <laughs> now on to what grinds my gears. And Nate mentioned using We Can't Wrestle, our other show that we do, that Nate has perfected, uh, as a gateway to dissect that list of the top 50 tag teams in the WWE history or in wrestling history. So this is what grinds my gears. How dare you make a list so incomplete? How dare you put a current tag team as the number one tag team on that list? And how dare you think that your fans are going to say, yes, we want more. They do this whenever they make a list. The top 50 women. Mm-hmm. The number one woman on that list, I believe, was Charlotte Flair. It was. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Charlotte is a 12-time champion, but that's because you made her a 12-time champion in the last four years. What about right. Trish? What about Moolah? What about May Young? What about Wendy Richter? No, they need mm-hmm. to be number five and number 10 and number 12. You know, you did it when you, you compiled the list of the top world heavyweight champions. Can't pull the wool over our eyes and make us think that your list is going to be what we want because it's bullshit. The New Day is not the best tag team in the history of the WWE. I don't care how long they held the belts for. I, I would know. even give them. I would even give them the nod and say, "Go ahead and put the New Day in the top ten. You know, right? But number one, give me a break. <laughs> You're shitting on the Steiners. You're shitting on LOD. And you're shitting on the, on demolition, but okay, let's forget about those three tag teams that basically made tag team wrestling. 
You're shitting on the Rock and Roll Express. You're shitting mm-hmm. on the Hardys, the Dudleys, Edge and Christian. The Midnight Express. I just think the, the Midnight Express, the Andersons, Anderson and Blanchard, the Hart Foundation. Why? Because the New Day won 11 tag team titles and held them for 483 days combined over three reigns. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's bullshit already. They need to stop with these lists. And I, I talked about this on an episode of We Can't Wrestle. And I also made a post about this on one of the groups that we are all in. WWE is trying very hard to give us useless facts. I don't care if CM Punk was the champion for 482 days. I care that his world title run was meaningful. I don't care that the New Day beat Demolition's record because before then, I didn't know Demolition was the longest reigning tag team champions. Now, if you want to do it funny, like when Santino Morello was trying to beat the Honky Tonk Man's record, by all means, do it. I'll laugh. The Honky Tonk Man. (laughs) Right. But if you're going to do it seriously and count down every day, when they reach 100, you immediately start counting down. Oh, it's been 105 days. It's been 112 days. It's been, you know, that's like the NFL tells me today, Tom Brady played on grass and turf and threw just as many touchdowns as somebody did in 1979. Really? You've got somebody sitting there piling these useless facts and trying to make me wonder if that's right and if I should care about it. No. Give me good it's wrestling. Like, it's like the, uh, you know? the, the the one annoying thing about Jim Ross back in the day. Yeah. You'd be like, Ron Simmons played for the USFL and Bob, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> right. You got the man in the gladiator outfit. I don't care about yeah. that. Make him, he was a former world champion. But the WWE... And their useless list that do nothing but irritate us wrestling fans. I say, fuck you. And stop doing the bullshit. Get back to basics. You now will have wrestling fans in your arena. Come money in the bank. Be thankful. Mm -hmm. And once again, start back to being a good wrestling company. Because if you keep telling me that... Drew McIntyre's sword was made from a tooth from the Loch Ness Monster, and now Jinder Mahal has it. So that means we're gonna, Nate, we're about to have a feud for a, a sword. <laughs> yes. You realize that? Oh, it's pathetic. There, <laughs> it's there's pathetic. about to be a Highlander. there. It's about to be the Highlander in the WWE. I hope. I it's hope. Ridiculous. I hope for their own karma that they put that match in front of a crowd of people and that that crowd of people booze that shit out of the building. I'm not not even, I, I'm not saying that because of the workers. I'm saying that because of the writing, because first of all, I love drew. He's one of my favorites. Right. Secondly, I think, I think people give gender too hard of a time. I like gender. Right. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want him to be WWE champion, but he's a, he's a decent heel, but he did all good with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I do. I I just hope for because of the for the writers and for Vince. I hope they put that in front of a crowd so it gets booed out of the building. Stop hiring people who think that your world champion's name is Bobby Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I want to thank Nate Maxson once again for joining me here tonight. I want to thank him for giving me this outlet to speak about wrestling as passionately as I do. And I want to thank you, the listeners and the fans and the members of the WrestleNet Radio uh, channel, our YouTube channel, our Facebook group, and everybody else that has been coming along for a ride. Continue to join us. Tomorrow night we will be recording um, the year that was. And part of Aaron's show, no, we'll be recording part of Aaron's show, the year that was, and a slice of wrestling. Mm-hmm. We have a very busy schedule uh, ahead of us, yes, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> and uh, oh. also on the Reliving the Extreme podcast this week, um, which actually I'll probably be recording yeah. as this show airing, um, we're going to have uh, ECW original Tommy Cairo on the show this week. I'm very excited about that. Um, I I don't think Tommy has done a podcast yet. If he has, I don't know about it, but I'm very excited to talk to him. Favorites. And uh, him and him and Sandman, I mean, that was kind of the beginning of the... the yeah, I'm not aware of that. Uh, those types of angles. It, it, it started the Sandman to be the Sandman. It started the feud between Tommy and Sandman. It got Tommy to be a hardcore legend, and then Raven came in to take out Tommy. So, mm-hmm. oh, well. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you for joining us. Have a great night, and I will see you again next week. Asylum Wrestling Store. Hello, Asylum. Hello, We Can't Wrestle. Hello, WrestleNet Radio. Hello, all of these platforms. Nate Maxson and David Gold here with you, bringing you some Maximum Gold. How do you like that? Maximum popcorn stuffage. (laughs) Guys, if you haven't tried it, pop some popcorn, melt a little bowl of butter, and then pour some butter on top, and then sprinkle some Old Bay seasoning on your popcorn. It's heaven in a in a bowl. When David told me about it, all I could think of was that sounds delicious. Delicioso, as they would say. For those of you that don't know, Maximum Gold is a show that we do for WrestleNet Radio. And um, we've done a couple of cool concepts. We rebooked some WrestleManias. I had some a lot of fun with that one. We got to go back to that at some point. Rebook some more manias or rebook a a SummerSlam or two, something like that. I really enjoyed that, the fantasy booking. This time, we had a discussion a few weeks back about, you know, in a couple of times in the the history of WWF slash WWE, they have had some fantastic tag team rosters. Not just them, other companies too, WCW. But it seems like there's times where there's this perfect storm of fantastic tag teams on one roster. And the two that I thought were, and David kind of agreed with me, the late mid to late eighties WWF tag roster and then the Attitude Era tag team roster. So we decided to talk about the Attitude Era tag team roster this time around. 
And feel free to chime in because uh, we're doing this show. This I think this is the first time we're doing it live. It so feel free to comment and and chime in your your uh, the folks and tag teams that you enjoyed in the '90s and during the Attitude Era, and and because they might be different from who we list. Yes, and we want to hear it. So it's going to be fun. I, I created a team not in any particular order. But uh, I want you to run down your top 10. We'll go through your top 10 and then I can comment on if I had list. Cause I just, I listed probably there's probably 15 teams here from my memory that stood out from the attitude era to me. So I figure we'll let your top 10 guide us through this and uh, we can comment on those teams. And like David said, if anybody wants to comment and chime in, feel free. I think we should do one for one. Like I do one and you do one. Okay. That'll work. So I'm going to start with my 10th ranked team. And guys, if you, um, I'm going to change the order, but if you Google this, I agreed with the sportster.com. They had a list of tag teams too. I did a little research because I wanted to remind myself mm-hmm. of some of the teams, but so I'm not going to go in any particular order on this, but my first team that I picked that I thought didn't get enough credit and didn't have a long enough run that they should have was mankind and Kane. Yeah, and I don't have them on my list, but you're right. They, they were, they were, they were a, they were a very cool team, and the story they told with them was cool. You know, were they, were they friends? Were they just linked up because of Paul Bearer? You could never really tell. Um, they had that series with Austin and the Undertaker um, in '98, leading into SummerSlam, and then the dumpster. Do they, they have a dumpster match with the Outlaws at SummerSlam? I think. I believe they did. I know him and uh, uh, Chainsaw Charlie had a dumpster match with the Outlaws at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, Kane and Mankind, uh, they also did a lot of singles matches and then ran in for each other. So there wasn't um, – there was some matches where they didn't wrestle as a, as a tag team. But uh, they're, they're uh, turning Paul Bearer heel and going with Mankind gave it a different aspect. People were getting – stale on the whole Undertaker, Paul Bearer stuff. So they added a different swing to it and said, we're going to turn Bearer heel. We're going to change his hair brownish blonde. We're going to mm-hmm. take away the makeup. We're going to make him more of a human, right? Like one, a, a human. One of my favorite lines ever, ever, just because of the the double meaning of it is when Paul Bearer turns on, I know this is getting off the tag team thing, but like you said, talking about changing Paul Bearer, when he turns on Taker at SummerSlam 96 on the Raw after, he says, I was, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> and it was just, it was cool, you know, because the character always looked so ghoulish and he had the rings under it, the black, black rings under his eyes. And yep. yeah. But yeah. And totally- I just enjoyed it. I thought Paul played the role perfect. People hated him, which means mm-hmm. that was good, right? When someone right. hates you, you're, you're doing your job appropriately. When I was a kid, I hated his guts. I went from loving the guy to hating him. I had a love-hate relationship with him. Um, I hated Kane, you know, the evil brother. Yeah. And then Mankind sprinkled in. It, it just made for some awesome tag matches, and I felt like they didn't do their run long enough. So that was my first team that I picked was uh, Mankind and Kane. And a lot of folks wouldn't even have listed them because of no. how short the run was. Mm-hmm. Two great workers matched up together, and like I said, with a – with a really cool intertwining storyline with the undertaker and stone cold. And 
that summer of 98 with those four guys, Taker, Stone Cold, Mankind, and Kane, all interchanging with each other. That was some great stuff on television. The first team I have here listed actually also involves Kane, and it was the Brothers of Destruction. Yeah, you can't. I mean, and they've had so many iterations of it, mm-hmm. you know, throughout. And I'm a component that would argue that the Attitude Era lasted until about 02. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. So you can even count when they had the run when he was the, the biker and Kane was the, you know, he had the mask and it, but it was half on, half off. So um, I agree with that one. That's a, a solid uh, choice, in my opinion. They, they, um, like you said, they, they, they had many iterations of the team. Um, every time it was successful. And you, you, you look back on it now and you realize that you were living through, we didn't, I guess we didn't realize it at the time we were living through such a substantial era. We were lucky to live through, you know, and be, be of age during that time because I know I'm not going to get off on the new product. I won't do that here, but it it was just, I mean, it was so much better back then. And those two guys, great workers and they could be heels. They could be faces. Um, Yeah. I think, you know, brothers of destruction definitely on my list. I think the problem was, is that even though there was a lot of glaring things that when we're, we were younger, right? I mean, I was, um, during most of the Attitude Era, I was a teenager, 12, 13, mm-hmm. 14 years old. You were a little bit older, but the glaring issues that took place, like the Valvinus storyline, the hand stuff, the Katie Vick stuff, so on and so forth, wasn't as glaring because you had all these great other stories around it. Mm-hmm. And the storytelling was awesome. And then, like, you would have at the end where, like, each heel and face would come out and hit each other with a finisher or, or right. you know, there was a lot of false finishes. And, and nowadays you would complain about stuff like that because there's no storytelling. Right. Well, but, that and, and on top of that, at that time, that was so much different than what we had ever seen as wrestling fans before, too, yeah. you know. That, that type of booking and that type of storytelling, you know, wrestling storytelling at the, you know, at its, at its core was always very basic, you know, good guy, bad guy, championship, et cetera. And the Attitude Era brought in a little more deep soap opera style, I guess you'd say storytelling. Yeah, it was, it was storytelling. So um, my next team on the list would be a bunch of people's, I think, top, or one of the tops. I'm going to go with the Acolytes, APA. I have them here. Yes, I have them listed. I, I think Ron Simmons, you weren't – and this is what needs to happen in nowadays wrestling. I'm, I'm not trying to go off on a tangent, but what they did was is they weren't doing anything with Bradshaw, right, ever since right. the Brawl for All, give or take, right, would you say, around that time? Yeah. They weren't doing anything with Bradshaw. Farouk was kind of exiled from the nation and was – you know, jobbing a little bit and had his occasional matches with Ahmed and stuff like that. So they weren't using them. What they did was, is they had Taker abduct them, turn them into the acolytes and they evolved. Like they fit together. They were rough. They were badasses. They could kick people's asses. And then you evolved them even further when you did the APA. So to me, 
they're one of the the best attitude era tag teams there was. They fit perfectly with the ministry and they fit perfectly when they did the APA stuff. Yeah, the APA stuff is all right, so there's there's a lot of um one sec. There's a lot of good and bad in I don't want to say comedy in wrestling, mm-hmm. not comedy, but to the point of, I guess I'll say this. I'm not a big fan of comedy wrestling. I'll just put it that way. Anybody who listens to my show, I'm not a fan of like an Orange Cassidy or what have you. But what, what, what Ron and John did very well is they intertwined a little bit of that with the drinking and the, 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 the poker playing and everything. Mm-hmm. But the reason that I think that their characters could get away with being funny is then once they got in the ring, it was all business and they whooped that butt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, and they, they, you watch those guys and it looks legit, you know? And my favorite was when like they're playing cards and someone would get like buck and like smack his, um, his cigar out of his mouth and they come kick his ass after <laughs> <laughs> it went from, Oh wow. They're joking. Like oh, playing cards. Yeah. Someone would try to smack like Farouk or, or Bradshaw's cigar and they'd get up and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> it's, I forget who told the story. Um, it was a shoot interview I saw, but what, there was a wrestler talking about Ron Simmons, or he was talking about interaction with Ron Simmons, you know, and all the ribbing and stuff that went on in the locker room. And this guy said, and of course I'm going to use the letter and not the uh, the word, but he said, Ron, why doesn't anybody ever f with you? And Ron said, because I'm uneffable. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely. APA acolytes, whatever you want to say. They and they took two guys that were fantastic singles wrestlers. And in the, that's another thing about the Attitude Era. I think why you wound up with so many great tag teams is the roster was so deep. Yeah. You know, it was hard to have. It, it was hard to have everybody be a successful singles wrestler. So you had to almost take two great singles wrestlers and turn them into a great tag team. And they did it very effectively with those guys. The next team that I have listed, and this one might not have made a lot of people's list, but they did make mine because of their in-ring work and their chemistry with each other. And that was um, Hardcore and Crash Holly. Oh, man, I love Crash when he did the the stuff where he was the giant and would go after everyone (laughs) way bigger than him. Yeah, and he had that scale. Oh man, I love Crash Holly. May he rest in peace. God rest his soul. Yeah, hardcore busted balls. You know, like, <laughs> but and 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 not just that. Not only the the gimmicks and and their chemistry together, but they were great workers and a great tag team. They were they were like um, uh, they were utility players. You know, you mm-hmm. can put those two guys in the ring with anybody, and they're gonna they're gonna get a good match out of it. Two solid workers, and yeah, like you said, I love the I love the scale gimmick, you know. Um, yep, they worked the they worked the angles of the Big Show and Viscera and etc. Et Mark fun. Henry, and he went after every super heavyweight and was, was like, "I'm as heavy as they are," and then how, Hardcore had to come out and save him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! And then that stuff with Al Snow going after the Hardcore belt all the time. Mm-hmm. The good old days, but yeah, that's a good choice. I, I did not have them on my list. They, uh, they were, uh, I, I, I just like, like, kind of like you said about with Kane and, and Mankind. I don't think the Hollies get enough credit 
for, you know, they were involved in a lot and a lot of really good matches and, uh, and good storylines. And I was always, I was always a big fan. And like you said, rest in peace, crash gone too soon. That guy was a great worker for his size. Um, yeah. Almost, almost, almost as good for in his size category as Chris Candido. You know, if they if they would have utilized the cruiserweight division a little better, like WCW did, Crash would have been way more over too. So their light heavyweight division was miles apart from WCW's. Yeah, WW WWF didn't. Um, no, no, <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't Vince's deal. And then they put <laughs> they put the belt on X Pac, and it was just. I mean, I like X Pac, but X Pac never really wrestled cruiserweight like. You know, so I don't think they utilize that division as well as they should have. So absolutely not. Next on my list is another short-lived tag team, but a big, big thing in history, and also one of the highest-rated segments in uh, Raw history. I went with the Rock and Sock Connection, also on my list. Yes, and I know um, their run wasn't as long as some of the other tag teams. Once again, they. Put mankind. Mankind could work with anybody. Foley could work with anyone. Um, it was two of the highest. This is your life, Rock. Were the highest rated segments in history of Raw, and mm-hmm. nothing will top that. And their their run, their mic stuff, even their feuds when he was a heel and Foley was a face. The stuff that they did, like it culminated, and like the Rock really didn't want to be his tag partner. But then, like, he kind of grew on him a little bit. And I'll tell you, my favorite moment wasn't during the Attitude Era. Well, actually, it was kind of the Attitude Era. It was towards the end. was when Foley was the commissioner and the Mm -hmm. Rock's in the ring. And he's like, how many times were you the champion, Rock? And Rock goes, and he goes, it doesn't matter how many times you were the champion. (laughs) And then Mick gets out the ring, and he's like, I got you, finally. And he's like, Foley, Foley. (laughs) And Rock's like... He can't keep his uh, a smile off his face. He's like smirking, like he couldn't keep he couldn't keep himself from laughing. So I just thought that was one of the one of my favorite moments. I don't think I know that probably you could say Rock's greatest rival was Austin, and I'm taking nothing away from Rock and Austin, but I'd say honestly, them as a team and them as rivals. The Rock and the, my favorite person ever paired up with with Rock was Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. I, I, the pairing of those two guys again, whether against each other or together, was just magic. They were fantastic together. And this, when yeah. this kid was <laughs> yeah. about to come down, he's like, oh, oh, "The best faces in history." Ridiculous, <laughs> but a good ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Foley beats him by pinning him with a skid. <laughs> <laughs> I have listed next Edge and Christian. That's an obvious choice. Yes. And I mean I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna tackle the other two teams in the trifecta there, but Edge and Christian Edge and Christian did and so did so did the other two that we'll discuss, but Edge and Christian did something that that I I have to give them a lot, a lot, actually more credit for than the other two teams. Mm-hmm. Edge and Christian knew how to how to do a high spot, meaning a high spot isn't something that's supposed to be done throughout the match. It's literally a high spot during the match. 
they would have a wrestling match and work high spot. They were almost as good at, as the Rock and Roll Express at, at high spots, you mm-hmm. know, giving you a really good wrestling match and then having these moments within that wrestling match that are literally highlight reels. You see them on highlight reels to this day, you know, the spear off the the spear off of the of the the uh, ladder, yeah, the, the ladder, yeah, or um, I mean any number of things, and then. On top of that, back to Mick Foley, that's another two guys that I loved interacting with Mick Foley when they were, you know, trying to get out of ta- like the, the chicken suit and and the five second poses and, and all that stuff, you know, just very entertaining and two very talented, talented wrestlers to this day. Yeah. And, and singles tag. I mean, they were kind of sinking a little bit with the brood. Um, I'm thankful that they. And the Ministry of Darkness was brief, but then once they realized the potential that they had in those two, and the the, the comedy skits with Foley were gold. Yeah. <laughs> the strike a pose with the camera. I mean, these they were supposed to be heels, but the fans loved like their comedy. And then yeah. when Kurt Angle was backstage and they were holding up the signs, stupid, dumb, you suck, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, I mean, I honestly feel like when they did their split, um, it was a bad time. Uh, mm-hmm. I felt like they shouldn't have done it when they did it. And I felt like Christian was kind of floundering a bit because of it. Yes. And it was because their their split came the, – their split should have been to the extent of a split between, say, Owen and Brett. You yeah. Know? And and it's, instead what it became was it became a watered-down part of the invasion storyline. Yeah. And, and, and it's like they turned edge face. Yeah, you turn Christian heel, you turn Edge face, and then luckily we got to see Edge and Christian. Edge kind of went forward with the rated R superstar and stuff, and then you had Christian. Christian really excelled when he went to TNA. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll argue you down all day that it probably was his best run singles wise when he went to TNA. But that tag team was. The spots, I mean, the ladder matches, they were basically undefeated. The fact that they survived every time, it would piss you off as a fan back then. You're like, how are they still the damn champs? You know, they would pull it off every freaking time. And, like, the Dudleys and the everyone who was doing that match, the Hardys, the spots in that match, it was something else, man. That, that, and the way Jeff fell from that spear really mm-hmm. sold that spear. Yes. So that's... Let's see. Who is next on my list? Well, we're going to go back and we're going to talk about, I mean, we already just mentioned them, but I'm going to go a different I'm going to say the New Age Outlaws. Also on my list. They were the the one tag team that helped revolutionize the, you know, the Attitude Era. I mean, you started pulling them apart. Um from their respective groups, you had the roadie with Jeff Jarrett. He turned on him. Uh, Rockabilly, you know, you mm-hmm. you were you weren't using them. See, that was the thing. In the Attitude Era, there were a lot of guys that were put in pretty bad storylines, and then they were fixed. Like they figured out a way to whether it was put them in a tag team or give them a good thing, like with Rocky Maivia, they made him the rock with, you know, so on and so forth. Like they were able to adjust and fix and it became gold. So when you put those two together and then they formed DX, like when I was a kid, I was an ECW guy and I watched some WWE, WWF, whatever. 
I watched some WCW, but I was more of a WWE guy at the time. So when Triple H came out and he introduced X-Pac, I was like, who's this guy? This ain't that big of a deal. And then, you know, as I'm older now, it was a huge deal. It was six. It was one, two, three kid, whatever. But you're like, when I was that age, it was what? I was 12, 13 when that happened. I'm like, who's this guy? (laughs) But then you bring the New Age Outlaws in and it was just gold. Like DX was gold. And those two Mm -hmm. guys could work. Like they could really work. Like, and once again, it would piss you off because they would somehow win every single time. Every time, yes. And they would cheat to win. And, and they would figure out whatever ways they could to win. So, and, and then I feel like they, they always belong together. When they split them up and Road Dog did his hardcore run and Billy Gunn did his Mr. Ass and then Chuck and Billy and stuff, just didn't have the magic. that it mm-hmm. had. Neither of those two ever had the magic that they had together. And that's what I'll say, too, about them. Definitely the reason that they made my list was kind of what you alluded to at the beginning of what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. They were really the first big tag team of the Attitude Era. You know, you went from you went from having the Godwins and the and the Body Donnas and Billy Mm -hmm. and the Smoking Guns. And it evolves into those those teams are kind of fall by the wayside. And here are the New Age Outlaws. And then they went into the feud with – and I have problems many, many – and I won't get into it. But I have many, many problems with the way that the Road Warriors were, were booked in the WWF. We, I think we've even talked about it on one of the shows at some point. They were never used right in the WWF ever. No, you could and, have had some really, really good, good, good feuds if you used them right. Mm-hmm. But no, they Vince were... refused. It was as if he knew he didn't create the Road Warriors. So I'm going to – and then you do that stupid storyline where you split them up and Hawk is utilizing something that's going on in his personal life. Mm-hmm. And you bring it on the screen. You know, we're, we're not going to get deep into that. But, yeah, it was it was a misuse of one of the best, if not the best, tag team ever in history. Nope. Yeah, but what I will say is – and I, I don't necessarily like the fact of the way that it went down because it 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 diminished the 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 in the 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 dominance of the Legion of Doom. But the first thing that really really got the outlaws over was that LOD feud. You know, they shaved Hawk's head, or they shaved the one side of Hawk's mohawk, and they put them through the table, and you know, so they kind of used they kind of used the Road Warriors as a stepping stone for the New Age Outlaws, really. Yeah, and then you bring the you bring the Legion of Doom back, and they get excited because they come back. I mean, they have Sunny, who was who was a hit then, right? Who was a hit. Right. You bring her out, and then you bring LOD two thousand out, and you're popping. You're like, holy crap! Like they're finally going to do something right with these guys. And then they win the royal the Rumble, right, or the Battle Royal, and you're like, oh my god! And then all of a sudden, it just they dissipated again. Yeah. And that's when they went into the garbage with the DOA and the. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're in the weeds now. <laughs> the other side of YouTube, <laughs> the tag teams. The next, the next tag team that I have listed, and this is, I, this is what I say is going to be maybe a little controversial for people. I put them on my list, but at the end of the day, to be perfectly honest, I think they were a little overrated. But I can't deny their impact on the Attitude Era. 
and that is the Dudley Boys. Um, overrated. I think they were used better in ECW, but I I never found myself really, really, really getting into the Dudleys. I think the Dudleys landed in the right place at the right time to become the legendary team that they were. They were there at the time with the invasion and all that stuff. So they got to be WWF tag team champions and WCW tag team champions and ECW tag team champions. I actually prefer, like you said, obviously I prefer the Dudleys and ECW, but I actually prefer Bubba as a heel singles, his work in impact. Oh, Bully Ray was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, I, I just talked, I think it was Archie about this not too long ago. Um, I, you know who reminds me of Bubba? Eddie Kingston reminds me of Bubba. Yeah, but I can't, I can't get out of my head now him overselling that ring exploding. I just can't yeah, get past yeah. it now. <laughs> Poor Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I, I, just, I just, and then he's like fainted and not, I'm like, come on. No, this is so bad. I can't get it out of my head. Like, it'll never leave my head. Watching that, I'm like, what is going on here? No, but Kingston's awesome. But, man, boy, they screwed him on that one. Yeah, they sure did. Oh, man. Like I said, the Dudleys, like, I can't – I even though I, I technically am not a huge fan, I can't deny their impact of the Attitude Era, the, the three-way feud with the Hardys that did Christian. Um, yeah. The they just I mean and, and they were always solid and they were always really super over with the crowd and they Waza. were <laughs> they were mega stars in the attitude era. There's no deny of it denying it. Oh, they were good. I thought Bubba and Devon were better in ECW. I like the mm-hmm. you know the stuttering and the yeah. you know all the other Dudleys, you know, dances with Dudley, big D Dudley, you know. I yeah. thought that was gold stuff, but I I agree. But I think I don't think they were overrated. I think they were given more opportunities than like maybe the acolytes or the um, you know of the world would have got should have gotten. So, but right. I, I think they they fit and they did what they needed to do. And I love watching him powerbomb Mae Young and just sit there and stare into the air, <laughs> crazy. Like I love that area when they were heels and they were putting everyone through tables. Mm-hmm. And the fact that ninety-year-old woman can take a bump through a table just says yep. a lot. She told Bubba, "Don't you take it easy on me." <laughs> no, he put her ass through that table, and he's like, "Yes, ma'am." That shit was great. <laughs> My next team is the Hardy Boys. Obviously, they're on everyone's list. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they were probably one of the greatest tag teams during that era. When they were with uh, Michael Hayes, that was gold. When they were heels first getting started, um, they helped revolutionize the tables, ladders, and chair matches. Jeff Hardy would take bumps, sometimes unnecessarily. I think Matt Hardy, in my humble opinion, ended up having the better singles career. Yeah. But because of what Jeff was doing personally and to himself. But um, I will say that they had some of the best matches ever. And a lot of it was those gimmicky matches, but that's what they were known for. Well, and at that time it was innovative. Yeah. You know, it was, it was purely innovative. And I agree with you about Matt. I think not only I, to be honest with you, not only did did I think Jeff's personal demons affect, obviously his career, but I always, I mean, 
if you take the two of them, Matt's a much better promo too, you know, and, yeah. and uh, Jeff, Jeff's, I think, and, and I know we're talking about them as a tag team, but we kind of have delved into it with, with their feud with Edge Christian, the Dudleys, et cetera. And they were innovative and you can look at them now 20 years later and say that you're looking at a generation of wrestlers that was inspired by them. Yeah. Of the generation before was inspired by the rockers and the heart foundation. Um, so they, they laid the groundwork for the future and yeah, most definitely. I, I, I think that as a singles with their singles careers, when Jeff was best is when Jeff was playing the role of the underdog yeah. from underneath, you know, like the rivalry in, in what was it? Oh, eight with triple H over the world championship. And, you know, and I really, really love Jeff's feud with CM Punk too. Um, but yeah, definitely Matt was the better, I think, on the singles end, mainly because of promo. And I think Matt Matt is also, at the end of the day, bell to bell, probably a better wrestler, whereas Jeff is more of a spectacle, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's not yeah. saying anything about Jeff. Just but Of course, everyone hated Matt when he was version two and had uh, Shannon Moore with him. I, um, I love V1. Nah, I love that stuff. I love you know, stuff I mean, you hated him though. You hated to love oh, him. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The know. gimmick. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. He was he was definitely doing it right. But man, we got I, next. I have one that might be kind of out of left field for some people again. Um, like when I talked about the Hollies, but I listed the headbangers. Yeah. And reason being, I think more than anything was, again, they were part of the, the, what do I want to say? The infancy of the attitude era. You know, they had, they had the few with the outlaws where they, you know, the boom box busted over Masha's head and they were, they were, they were one of the tag teams that helped carry the division in the downtime between, between the new generation era and the attitude era. And then in the Attitude Era, they were always in the mix, and they were always there. You could always rely on them to have a good tag team match, whether or not they were champions or not, you know. But I like the Headbangers. I thought they were a good tag team, and I think that they get a little forgotten in in the history of wrestling just because their main time was just right before the big Attitude Era hit. But they were one of my favorites during the Attitude Era. Yeah, I, I like the headbangers, and I felt they did their job. They were asked to job a lot. You know, back when they, I know, I know now it's insulting to call it jobbing. You kind of call it now just losing, but um, back then that's what they called it. And when you and when you went when you went out and, and lost, whether it was five minutes, two minutes, you were doing the job. That's what it was called. Right. Um, my next team is maybe I don't think it's in left field, but I don't know if a lot of people put it on the list. It's too cool. I have too cool here. So I know a lot of folks would argue they were kind of a, a thruple because they had Rakishi running around with them and stuff. But I mean, and they never really, uh, not that I could recall, really had a tag title run, even though they deserved one. Um, and, you know, but I feel like they did. They, they had a bunch of iterations, you know, they were too sexy. They were too much and they just weren't finding their niche. And then finally they got it right. 
They're like, all right, mm-hmm. we're going to put them with Rikishi. We're going to do the stance stuff. And it was a hit. Like the glasses, yeah. the dancing. Uh, Grandmaster Sexay could wrestle. Like he had Lawler in his blood. You could tell that he was trained and knew what he was doing. And, and honestly, had they used him properly as a singles competitor, he probably would have had a nice title run because he, mm-hmm. he, he had that Lawler-like skill. Oh yeah. Whereas you know Scott Taylor, who's now a trainer, by the way, and knows a lot about the business, was floundering. So those two together, you had gold. Yeah. See what and I did there? <laughs> no pun intended. They, you had maximum gold. Yeah. They, 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 uh, the charisma of them with Rikishi together was was almost unparalleled during that era. You look at those crowds, go back and watch some of that stuff. I promise you this, folks, and I want to get to another thing real quick, too, but I promise you this. If you watch those Attitude Era, watch some Raws from 2000, okay? The biggest pops you're going to hear are for The Rock, Stone Cold, and then Too Cool. Because they worked that crowd into a frenzy and people were having fun. And I want to tell you that if you look at the Attitude Era, let's be honest, okay? If we're talking about pro wrestling, all right, and pro wrestling, we're supposed to spend belief and pretend it's real and get caught up in it. And that's the beauty of it as an art. Two of the stupidest moves <laughs> in the history of wrestling ooh, are, ooh, are ooh. The, 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 yeah, the rock bottom and the worm. And they are two of the most over moves. So there you and go. And the people's you elbow was pretty bad too. And then and then Cena's oh, that's, that's what I meant, the people's elbow, not the rock bottom. That's what I meant. And Cena's and Cena's move was kind of, you know, where he does the and then a little chop and mm-hmm. stuff. He, yeah. And, yeah. It's almost but as bad as the Cobra when uh Santino Morello was using the he's like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what is that? <laughs> Like and him and Foley with Sako and Cobra going. Yeah, <laughs> that was ridiculous. Yeah, it, about, yeah. Those, those two moves are ridiculous. How about any combination? You can have any combination of the four, really. The radicals. Yeah, I mean, they came in at a time when they left because they didn't like Kevin Sullivan booking again. Mm-hmm. So they left, and, I mean, they they were, you know, I think together they were good. I mean, you could put Eddie Guerrero with anybody, and he makes them look amazing. You know, Benoit was amazing. Malenko, who is the one that was underutilized, is probably one of the best out of all of them in the ring, technically-wise. I mean, and then even Saturn was good, except, you know, that he was stuck with a bunch of really bad storylines. You know, like loving mops and wearing dresses and <laughs> moppy, <laughs> moppy, and even though moppy was pretty over, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah you're right. <laughs> but I mean, for some reason, we love shit like that. Moppy, horsey. What was the horse's name? Chavo had Pepe, horsey. Pepe. Pepe. Yeah. Ed. Right. Socko. <laughs> we love stuff like that. We're weird. <laughs> we got we got mops, we got laundry, we got all kind of shit in the ring at the Attitude Era. Reminds me of freaking Bobby Heenan's uh, uh, Hall of Fame speech when he's talking about the '80s. He's like, "You got the Samoans, you got the two birds, you got the killer bees." <laughs> <laughs> it's 
If you haven't watched, not, not to go off on a tangent, but if you haven't watched Heenan's 2004 induction speech, go and watch it. You'll do yourself a favor. Yes. Um, I love it when he says, when the crowd's cheering for him and he says, you won't offend me with cash. I love that. And then, then he comes. Yeah, go ahead. And then he says something about, you know, being married to his wife for 32 years or whatever. And they cheer and he goes, ah, you haven't had the meatloaf. <laughs> his favorite, my favorite was when he's like, you would go nuts naked in your underwear watching Golden Girls all day. <laughs> then he comes back. Are we getting paid for this? And Mean Gene's like, he's like, then I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When Bobby Heenan died, the world became a less funny place, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. He's up there ribbing folks right now with Owen Hart. <laughs> that would have been a nice tandem. You put those two together. Oh man! <laughs> All right. So you you did the radicals. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go with, and this is gonna surprise everybody. But since you went with a four, I'm gonna go with um the. We're gonna go with what the what was their stable name? Why can't I remember it now? The oddities. Okay. I'm picking the oddities, and I'm going to tell you, you said the pop for Too Cool was big. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, and people might think I'm freaking weird, but I loved John Tenta's Golga. I thought he played the hell out of that character. I thought Luna was great. Luna's always been great. Mm -hmm. I liked Silva and uh, Kurgan. Kurgan. I, I feel like Kurgan was booked as a monster and you were surprised when he came out dancing mm -hmm. the oddities were great man and i thought if they were booked appropriately and correctly they could have had a nice run unfortunately it didn't last long enough no um, let me let me ask you a question about the oddities and you might tell i i was a fan of the oddities <clears throat> excuse me i was a fan of the oddities before they made them a lighthearted babyface gimmick. I liked like the dark carnival when they first came in and they were doing like kind of a dark carnival thing with them with, with the Jackal. Mm -hmm. I, actually, I actually really, that I thought that could have, that had some, some feet that could have went somewhere. And then they went the opposite direction with it. And I'm not dissing that at all, but what do you think? Do you think if they would have kept him in that dark carnival kind of, they could have done both. I would have enjoyed it either way. You know, you booked Kurgan as a monster to begin with. Mm -hmm. I mean, Golga is a monster. I mean, he was Earthquake, right? Most folks right. did not know that. But, you know, some of us did. I mean, you had three big, you know, three really big guys. <laughs> you know, and I and then you put Luna with him, who's super crazy and could beat any woman's ass if she wanted. Mm -hmm. I think they could have they could have ran with that. They could have put belts on each one of them. They could have gave Luna the women's title for a while. Again, they could have went either direction. But when they put them as baby faces and that pop that they got, it was huge. Like everybody was dancing and bringing Cartmans to the show. And well, even 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 though I wasn't necessarily a fan at the time, it was smart to pair them up with ICP too because at that time ICP was really popular. And uh, I don't know if you know this story or not. You said a lot of people didn't know it was earthquake. There was yeah. a crowd. There was a crowd in, I believe it was in Virginia that knew it was earthquake. Did you ever hear about the, the Golga Steve Regal match that never aired on raw? <laughs> no, I actually didn't. 
Regal went to toss. It was it was on obviously a taped raw, but Regal went to toss uh, Tenta out of the ring, and he had him by the mask, and the mask came off. Oh snap! Like a kind of like a shockmaster type deal. Yeah. And then the rest of, the rest of the match, the crowd's just chanting earthquake, earthquake. But yeah, anyway, yeah, that crowd knew that it was John Tenta, but most people probably didn't pick up on it unless they were reading the dirt sheets at the time. I think it was real. Di- I mean, and then a couple of years later, who would have thought he would try out again as Earthquake, right? Mm-hmm. And try to come <laughs> back, and then they made him try out. I'm like, really? But really? Um, <laughs> but that that was my one of my favorites too, and I thought that was huge. And I thought it could have gone a little longer. And then of course they split ICP away and put him with the Headbangers, and then they had they had them lose to the Headbangers a couple times. And I thought that kind of kind of soured the run for a little bit. So yeah. Um, I only have a couple more listed here. Um, one that I listed, and I, I have I have only one issue with it. I never thought. Okay, during the Attitude Era, let's be honest, folks. The late '90s and early 2000s, as far as society went, with Jerry Springer and Howard Stern and all the popularity of the controversial WWF Attitude and everything. People were people liked raunchy entertainment back then. Yeah. And the what is the best way to get super duper atomic heel heat when people love raunchy entertainment? Put Stephen Richards in a suit and tie and put him the right to censor. Oh man, that was all their theme. It's in my head. Oh, but they were they were so bad. It was so good. Yeah, they were, and and the only thing that I didn't like about the right to censor was I personally did not, probably because to me it just, you know, sometimes they give somebody a gimmick in wrestling and it's so not them that it just doesn't work. They can't be that. Making the godfather the good father, it didn't (laughs) didn't work because Charles Wright's not that guy. You know what I mean? Like, actually, Val Venus becoming... Val Venus and the right to censor is more like Val Venus is in real life. He's a conservative. He, you know, so it was easy for him and it worked for him, but for, for Charles Wright, man, it just didn't work because it felt so not natural for him. I was the, was I the only one that loved when China destroyed ivory at WrestleMania? That was fun. Oh, that was so <laughs> good. Like was beat so her much. ass I mean, and then power bombed her and beat her in like two minutes. Oh, that yeah, was so was, good. And it was it was because it, there was good pro wrestling storytelling because they built it up. Ivory talked so much shit going into that match, and, and then, then injured her neck. Yeah, injured yeah. her neck before the match months before. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. It was good. I mean, they were making fun of the censors, so I get why they did it. Um, that made absolute sense on uh, why they would do that. So, I mean, I, I, I agree with it. That's a good choice um, there. Uh, I'm going to go – I'm getting kind of low on, on folks uh, during that time, but I'm going to go with Triple H and Stone Cold, two-man power trip. And you know what's funny? Like, that's funny that you, you said it, and I didn't even write them down. I didn't even – I don't know. I didn't even think about it. That's a good call. I, I think that Triple H getting injured kind of ruined that run, but those two were like, I mean, I hated the whole Stone Cold heel run, but this was the thing that saved it, in my opinion. Triple H was just so hated. I mean, ever since he, like, 
freaking pretended he sedated Stephanie and married her, which was gold. I did it again, <laughs> gold. That whole Stephanie stuff when she was marrying Test, and then, oh man, he was such an asshole. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do, I do. I most definitely do. I most definitely do. And he just smirks at the camera. It's like, really? This is good. This is so good. And it's one of of Vince's best reactions to something ever, too. Yeah. It's like when he's pulling on the ear. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, like when they played that stand back video, it was great shit, too. That's good shit. I've got that. Um, <laughs> but I, I would just say that it didn't go long enough because Triple H hurt himself. But man, people hated Triple H, and what what that worked for Stone Cold was is he just wasn't. You just couldn't. Be, I couldn't believe him as a heel. I mean, I did mm-hmm. like the guitar stuff, telling Vince he loved him playing the guitar. Yeah. But then you bring him against the Alliance, and he beats everyone's ass with a pool cue. And you're like, oh, he's back. This is great. Nobody wanted the shit he was doing anyways. <laughs> it's good. And then you turn him uh, to the Alliance. And I get it. That's where what came from. And mm-hmm. some of that stuff was good. And you had the milk bath from Kurt Angle, which was freaking great. It had its good moments. But I felt like they did this because they couldn't get the WCW guys out of oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, to definitely. come out of their contracts from sitting at home. So they figured we need to just load this up with our guys and, and sprinkle some WCW and ECW guys in. So it, oh, yeah. it made the inv- invasion watered down. And then after that shit was done, you have him and Triple H get together. They win the tag belts. I think at the time Austin was the champ as well on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Triple H was like freaking the, the biggest heel in the company at the time, in my opinion. Everybody hated his guts. It just worked for me, and it just didn't. It would have lasted longer if Triple H didn't hurt himself. So, yes. the The only other team that I have listed because I I listed DX, but we kind of discussed DX when we talked about the New Age Outlaws. Yeah. Um, the only other team that I have listed, kind of an honorable mention, because I liked them as a tag team and as a unit. And that is Test and Albert TNA with Trish Stratus. Oh, you got Trish. Enough said. You brought Trish yeah. into the business. So, mm-hmm. and and obviously Test and Albert were put together just as a vehicle to introduce Trish to the WWF. But I thought they were good. I was never a big fan of Test as a as a as a singles wrestler. I was a fan of Albert, but I actually dug them as a tag team. I thought they were really. They should have got a run with the belts. I think. Yeah, and Albert is obviously knowledgeable and knows his shit because he's still a trainer to this day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so obviously, you know, there's a reason why, um, you know, that, that's a good choice. I, I agree with that. I got a few honorable mentions at some uh, – I'll just run down the list so we're not going through all of them. I had um, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that was like a couple matches. Um but they were tremendous together. Only only Terry Funk, who, by the way, is getting in the We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame this year, damn it. Anyway, um, only Terry Funk would, would, would say, I've been in the wrestling business for 35 years. Everybody knows who I am. 
but I'm going to put a pantyhose on my head and pretend I'm somebody else and pretend they don't know who I am. I, it's yeah. so classic. It's classic, classic Terry Funk. <laughs> yeah, I love Funk. You just put a sock on his, a fucking pantyhose on his head and give me a damn chainsaw and I'll, I'll work with it. And, and you know. know. And then you put him and, and Foley in the rumble against each other. That was classic. Yeah. So another honorable mention, because it was during this time, I know they were not in the WWE, so it really wasn't Attitude Era, but we're gonna, I'm going to bring them up anyways. It's Harlem Heat. Oh, yeah. I, I think they deserve to be discussed, even though they weren't. And then my other was the beginning of the Attitude Era, in my humble opinion, the very beginning when you were really starting to get it, where Brett was bitching and Austin 316 was starting to come out, was the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Yep. I, I, I get, they were the very beginning, beginning, but I, I believe that they count, and I believe that if, if what ha- didn't happen to Owen happened and he wasn't the Blue Blazer ever, it would have been – they would have been a big tag team, and he probably would have cycled in and out with Brett too. So we would have yeah. had some great, great storylines for them. So Definitely. They are – and Harlem Heat, both Harlem Heat and Owen and Bulldog are each in my personal ten, top ten favorite tag teams of all time. So I like those mentions. That's all I've got. I, everybody else you can think of were – weren't really tag teams during the Attitude Era. You, I mean, someone could argue, well, what about the Steiner brothers? Well, they were separated, right. and they were in WCW. I mean, you could argue about the Steiners. I mean, you could say LLD, but they weren't utilized correctly, so we're not talking about Attitude. We're talking just that time frame. So the LLD wasn't one of the top tag teams then. No, no, they weren't. They were pretty much jobbed out for the Attitude Era, so. Um, and, and also, and because of the pace of the booking at that time, you have a lot of tag teams that were together for not too long or whatever. Mm-hmm. They just do two guys together because they need one of them to do something on TV. Um, uh, example, Head Cheese, you know, Steve Blackman and, and Al Snow. Oh, I love Blackman and Snow. They were great. Yeah. The, 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 one of my favorite things with those two is the, when they're at the dairy farm. And Steve Blackman goes to town on the cow with his nunchucks. <laughs> Reminds me of when you had Mankind Without Snow and they went to the strip joint with flicking yeah. quarters at the strippers. Yeah. <laughs> There's more where those came from. <laughs> and then you can honestly, you could also bring up, and it wasn't long lived, you can bring up when they had Blackman with Samrock and with Severn. And they had the three headed beast UFC slash martial arts guys. And had they ran with that a little longer, that would have went very well. So yeah. that's another thing, but I loved head cheese. Blackman was like, just not wanting to deal with it. Like they did not mesh at all. That's what made them a great tag team. Absolutely. Like this is not, they don't, there's nothing about these two guys that mesh, but they, I will also say that gold dust and Booker T should be mm-hmm. brought up too. Yep. I know that was more ruthless aggression ish. But that was kind of attitude error, and Goldust was once again. I'm going to use this word. He was gold during that time. Yeah, together they were super stupid, entertaining, just amazing together. If I give you a slip of my Slurpee, will you give me a bite of your hot dog? (laughs) (laughs) And then Goldust Goldust doing the Tourette's gimmick. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then when he's in the bed and uh, Booker T walks in with his date, he's like, I want you 
to leave the NWO. And he kicks the light on. He's like in the bed in the lingerie with Booker. And Booker's like, oh, and he gets it. You see his ass and he leaves. Goldust is like, I wore this for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that stuff. And then when he's in the Darth Vader outfit. Man. Stupid good. Stupid. It was good. so good. Like they should have put they should have put the belts on them for a while. It was just so good. So well that is that. For those of you listening on WrestleNet Radio, that wraps up the maximum gold uh portion of the show. But I think David has has more for us, don't you? Uh I don't know if I'm going to to I don't know we only have about eight viewers now it's getting kind of late I'll probably do an auction Sunday evening okay. so we can get some more folks in uh, a lot of the folks started listening to us early and I'll probably catch the rest of the show on the radio mm-hmm. so but um yeah I mean a lot of folks are just relaxing now and probably were waiting for me to go live a couple hours ago so I'll probably <laughs> postpone you know because I was being lazy tonight so. <laughs> Well, this show so, this show will be up on Sunday evening on WrestleNet Radio. So, if you're listening right now, Sunday evening, you can go to the Asylum and be part of the live auction. Yep. And if you guys want to hear more, we'll be probably back next week. And I think we're going to review the actual teams of the early '90s, late '80s, early '90s during the Golden Era. Of wrestling back when we had Turner versus Golden Era McMahon, or you can also say Crockett. Some mm-hmm. of it was Crockett versus McMahon. So, so what are we're we going to go over because there was way about? more tag teams than what the Attitude Era had, in my opinion. Talking, during that are we talking time, like eighty-eight to ninety-three. Yeah, I'd say that's a good spread, and I think you're gonna you're gonna find there's gonna be about a hundred more tag teams than what there was during the Attitude Era. So. Mm-hmm. But you also had a bunch more competition during that time. You know, you still had yeah. the NWAs and the Mid-Souths and the Memphis and all that stuff. So, um, but all right. Thank you all for tuning in, uh, watching us live on the Asylum page and everywhere else. And uh, if you missed out anything, you can get this on WrestleNet Radio on the We Can't Wrestle podcast show. So, thank you for joining us, everybody. And we will see you next week with more Maximum Gold. The Weekly Wrestle Podcast is a production of Maxin Out Media. All rights reserved. <laughs>